Okay, good evening. Welcome. Thank you for joining us for the Community Police Oversight Work Group. Um, really appreciate you being here and all that you've done to lead us up to this point. Uh, we have a lot to cover tonight and a lot to wrap up and some important information to talk about for where the work will go from here after tonight. So uh, thank you for all that you've done to bring us up to this point. So um, the agenda is available uh, here in front of you. We're also on Zoom, so this will be recorded and archived, and the agenda is on the city website with a link to um, the, the Zoom link so you can listen along and then view the archive um, after the fact. Um, we're scheduled to go until 8.30, so we've got to make sure we get all of our work done by then. And um, everything that we produce through this will ultimately roll up to the community engagement portal. And we're going to make some decisions tonight as a group that will um, result in some um, uh, report and the um, general recommendations that you're looking to put forward to the city commission. And so anything that's produced through our, the, the deliberations of this group then will, becomes that public document that will be available on the community engagement portal. So um, the other two items on our agenda tonight, the, the vast majority of our time, we're gonna spend looking at draft text and uh, identifying the recommendations that you want to put forward to the city commission. And so um, I'll talk about the process that we'll go through specifically to do that. And then the last 20 minutes or so of our um, agenda this evening will be dedicated to next steps and how the work that you produce through this process um, will take shape and then inform the next iterations and, and how it moves forward from there. And so, I'll provide a little bit of context for that, and then we'll have some decisions that we need to make as a group um, relative to that. And then we'll have you out of here at 8.30 um, um, as uh, scheduled. So just a few things. Um, anybody have any questions right off the bat? Anything? Um, okay, make sure you grab food. Thank you for the city for uh, catering for us and for the fire team post estimates. All these meetings, we appreciate that very much. Um, so in terms of our process tonight, so we, as the project charter spelled out, we've been tasked with looking at a set of issues related to the CPRB and specifically the complaint process recommendations on the, the CPRB structure. And then um, uh, looking at board structure membership and the authority, if you will, of the CPRB. And so we're going to be approaching those in each of those three categories, and I'll walk you through that process. Last Monday when we met, we decided that we would have you send to me your draft language and ideas for consideration to build out recommendations. And so what I did was I compiled that into a, into a single document, and that's what we'll work from tonight. And what I'm needing you to do is to hone in and make sure that we're capturing the spirit and the intent of what you look to accomplish through each of the recommendations. It's very likely that 
There are things that you don't see there that are important to you that you want to be included. There are probably things in there that you either don't agree with or you want to discuss more to clarify before we finish our work tonight. Um, and in any case, um, I'm gonna ask you to walk through our process of looking at buckets. And we're gonna be doing some multi-voting and some prioritization relative to that item. Um, once we're done this evening, there will be work to be done to pull that all together into a report form. And so, as I was talking with Casey about the process for doing that, we'll need to compile the final inputs that are generated in any relative decisions or related decisions tonight, and then put that into uh, a draft report that we'll push back out to you and ask you to submit final comments on. And then that will become the draft that is, uh, that will become the work product of this. Um, as of now, we're not intending to meet again to do any of that work, but that um, the in-person piece, if you will, will have brought us to the point that we need that we can produce that kind of a document. Um, but we'll need to make sure that that document is reflective of today's discussion. So, um, ultimately, in the project charter, we've been tasked with producing a report with recommendations. Now, some of the recommendations that you're going to put forward will have an impact on how the CPRB is currently structured or operates, which is currently spelled out in ordinance. So there will be a process that will need to occur after we have completed our work that the recommendations that you've produced will then also need to be translated into some kind of draft ordinance format. And part of what we'll need to determine is what, um, what that transition might look like or what questions or direction might we want to have from the um, city commission to that effect. Um, we currently don't have a date when this group will present to the city commission your recommendations, but that's something that we'll need to engage with the city manager's office and city commission to determine that. But at some point, we'll need a group of you and however we determine or how you all want to determine that to come together to put together a presentation that will be then um, a reflection of this collective effort over the last several weeks. Um, for the commission's consideration. So we'll spend some time at the end of the meeting talking about what that looks like. Obviously, any significant changes to CPRB needs to happen in the form of reports. And so um, we just need to look at where does this work leave off and where does that next effort begin? So um, I'll be eager to hear your ideas and thoughts on that. But we're approaching this tonight with the idea that we'll wrap up our in-person elements of this, and then um, we'll see where we're at, and then I'll ask you to, to weigh in on what do we need to do to ensure that this group is ready for a presentation to the city commission and that the, the report itself is in a form that everybody is happy with. All right, so anybody have any questions about that? Okay. Um, all right. Well, good. So let's dive into it. So thank you for your, your um, submissions. 
Um, appreciate everything that you you forwarded. Um, I saw a whole range of great inputs. Some of you were operating from the language of ordinance or looking at the existing ordinance and using that to frame some of your thinking. Uh, some of you approached a combination of both looking at the ordinance and then thinking more broadly about some of the themes we've discussed. And others of you were interested in some of the bigger questions that would in, uh, would build out the narrative of our report. And then some of you also offered additional language outside of just recommendations that might go into the report narrative itself. So I appreciate all of that. Um, what I then did was I attempted to code all of your comments to correspond to the um, agenda items that are listed here, complaint process, the CPR advisory oversight and review question, and then board structure, membership, and qualifications. So that's how we're going to walk walk through that um, accordingly. Okay, so what I'm proposing that we do is I ask you to reflect on a few different questions as we approach the recommendations. And so this is your work product and your work. So what I attempted to do was put a little bit of language to um, and create some text that you can react to as an attempt to reflect what I think you're going to get at in terms of recommendations. But you're going to finalize that um, in our in our discussions. And so as we go through that, um, I also want you to be thinking about buckets. And as soon as we get these on paper that we can look at, I'm going to ask you to do some voting with stickers. And what we're going to do with that is I'm going to ask you to look at buckets that we've talked about throughout this process. Uh, green buckets are what we'll call easy wins. Those are the things that um, everybody feels good about. We've got consensus around. We might need to tweak a word or two, but for the most part, we're, we're pretty close and, uh, and we're okay moving forward on that. Um, the second group, which will be a yellow sticker, will be that middle bucket that we'll call likely. These are those recommendations where we likely have consensus, but we might need to spend a few minutes tonight either editing language, clarifying some points, so that we only move forward with it if you feel comfortable with it. All right, so um, be thinking about that. And then that third bucket will be a red sticker, and those are the not there yet. And that's either where we disagree on something or we have strong, strong opinions that might um, prevent us from wanting to move forward, but it's significant enough that it's content that we want built into the report narrative to explain why there's difference of opinion, but it might not necessarily end up in the form of a recommendation. Okay, so um, that's ultimately where we're gonna end up. And we'll use that as a way to gauge our discussion. So we'll get to see what the easy wins are. We can move on from those quickly, spend some time working through the yellows, and then just define where we're at on the reds. Okay, so that's the, the process that we'll go through there. And then once we've done all the recommendations, I also want to spend a little bit of time talking about priorities and do a quick uh, prioritization exercise so that if there's a way that you wish to rank recommendations within each category based on importance or whatever other criteria you might determine, that the report is reflected in that as well. 
So we'll spend a little bit of time talking about that. Um, okay. Um, and then the last category, I just included report narrative. What I am proposing is that the work product, just like any kind of study would, as an introduction, some background narrative, discussion of methodology, a summary of community conversations and what came out of that, description of our work sessions, and then the recommendations, and then a conclusion. So um, there will be work that needs to be done, and I will. Um, I would also like to hear any ideas or inputs that you have relative to that narrative. Um, and I thank you again for those of you who shared some of that in your comments for today. Okay, so with that, what I would like for you to do is um, we're going to jump right into the recommendations document. The draft text that is there is what I attempted to put forward just to stimulate a reaction. So what, um, how you want those recommendations written in your work product is part of what we decide. So if you want like full sentences, if you just want bullet points, any of that, we can just clarify that. Um, then any comments that you submitted that rolled up into, for example, the complaint process, I've included that in the document just so you have a quick reference uh, to that as we go. So um, we'll walk through that together and we're just going to do um, each each of the three areas and just knock it out. Okay, questions? We have another document of the I uh, no, but I'll get together. Okay. So is there another copy or just Okay, any other process questions? Okay, um, what I'd like to do is I'm gonna I'm gonna ask each table to just to take one and then uh, do some pre-work so that we can get to our our buckets exercise more quickly. Um, can I task you all with the complaint process for the next few minutes? And I'll tell you what that means. Are you all good with taking on the authorities um, for advisory oversight review? And you're all right with a number of qualifications and board um, Okay, so here's what I want you to do. Um, so that we can work off of a, a shared uh, document, if you will. Um, I'm going to give each of you a flip chart stand, and I want you to record complaint process recommendations on your flip chart as you're stated, as you're looking at it. If you have any tweaks, capture them here, leave space. Everybody leave space of about three inches on the side, which is where you're going to post your stickers when we do our bucket exercise. What's three inches? Three of these squares. Thank you. Okay. Um, for you all, I'm going to ask you to write up recommendations for the um, the uh, okay. authority question, mm -hmm. and then we're going to work up the graph flip chart page to do an exercise on distance. Same thing with you all on board. We're going to give it that. Okay, so let me give you a paper on it and we'll do my stuff. 
And what I would suggest, if you would just slip it to the board, and write a paper on Yeah, like that's, yeah, that's, yeah. I'm all behind those to not. We're having a hard time. Yeah. 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 So that we don't need to write this not to the sound. Yeah. We need to play some We have real time how we can go to the feeling of the object. I don't know. I just want to get them out from the paper. Okay, so you don't need to get them out of we're looking at faces. And we're starting here. We're meeting all of the videos. Um, at your seminar. Um, you're going to have to do it. Um, you're going to have to do it. You're going to have to do it. And basically the purpose of the and so I, I don't know if it's necessarily to write everything. Yeah, I mean, that's I mean, yeah, like to break it down. I'll try. I like the recommendations for consideration under the Yeah. And there's anything that we want to tweak on each line, we can do that. I guess yeah, sure. So they're giving options. That's yeah. not. Okay. So So it's saying expand when you use the dollar. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I'm going to ask you all the way we're going to complete the event. And you might need to put it on. No, no, no. We're going to pre-select. 
that's kind of our short hand. Right. But I don't, but that won't serve us. But it'll serve a purpose for us to know what's in one, two, three. We don't know what the and then we have to work with them to figure out the functions. And then we would define it in the order. It would help me define it in the order. And then before we get to that point, we have to rectangle and places. So, so so we'll have to 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 have but let's make that let's put a couple spaces between one and two okay um yeah uh, and if isn't going to work or that yeah. there isn't. You know, I mean, that, we are uh, we just with most of the humans there. Yes. Uh, what are they currently? Yeah. Um, yeah. So we're just going well, to get them up there. So we can get them up there. Yeah. So we can see if something's around. I'm going to go to the conversation. It's yeah, no, it's so it's pure from the collective. Yeah, and so qualifying for the city manager affirming or disputing the police department's findings um, and making a recommendation or and making a on whether the further investigation is needed. So the real have that in the Right. Okay. Okay. So, so put it up to the way it's written. I, I like that. But then we'll. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, we present our findings to the city manager. So, 
so we I like to see Yes, 
And there's some Yeah, 
unless you answer it in the ordinance, then we're right. left scratching our heads. Yeah, exactly. We've got to bring in the city since they've never gone into executive session, I don't know. Yeah. 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 There is another jurisdiction. Yeah. 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 Yeah, it's gone. It's in there. She says that the investigation is done by the They can say why. Yeah, I think they would well, there was the article in the paper about the consultant who recommended merging our board. the will of the people for the most part. <laughs> well, the will of the people have been waited in that. This was John Green That's a pretty technical. I don't think I did well right now. I'm not. Wait, are you don't are you putting the levels? You're not putting the work. No. Okay, as soon as we get the all three groups completed, then we'll start um, doing our buckets exercise. He's just listening to us. That's Yeah. Oh, okay. Here's here's a comment on Standard opportunity for other members, but all the food is over here. She was not quite worried. She was not on what she was actually needs to be done. We just removed the rest of the motion. There wasn't anything. We would have to find out. 
Other than that, there's anything that we see more than four hours in the district from the library. Yeah. Like, we need to, did we put somebody in the They're just sending out standard extension. Yeah. 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 And then just for the they didn't think no more with the put no more Okay, while we're while we're waiting on the, the last few comments, let me just um prime to prime your thinking on this. So um we're gonna ask each of you to take the the dots as buckets to indicate uh buckets, and then we're gonna go through each each of the three areas. So um, in the interim, start familiarizing yourself with the options of the other two groups that you didn't really see yet. Uh, again, just as a reminder, a green sticker will indicate easy wins, things that, that uh, you feel strongly about that where we will look to see if we've got consensus around. We might need to tweak a word or two within that, but otherwise uh, green is easy win buckets. Yellow sticker indicates likely where you're inclined to support that, but you might have some reservations where you either need a little bit more information or you want to see something tweaked in how it's written. And then the red sticker is not there yet or not there, I'll say it that way, um, meaning that either you disagree or you have strong opinions and you think that um, it's not likely to come forward as a recommendation. And then we'll discuss the significance of all the greens, yellows, and reds for each, um, each item as we move through. So no blue. Okay. No. So each of us puts up a sticker. Every person on the table puts up a sticker. Individually. Individually on each one. I can just put it in that agency. Okay, and if you're done writing, we'll go ahead and we'll go ahead and do that. Um, oh, and by the way, only one sticker per item. So you can't double up extra greens on something just to try and stack the votes. Or no emojis. Oh, we're doing all of them. Yeah, so we're doing it on the wall over here. We do that. I'll tell you where are you going to go? And then also, what if they don't have enough I'm thinking if we put our sticker at the top, can we blanket approve all the things below? Right here. Um, do a green marker? Or, yeah. I don't have, I got a lot, have, I got a lot of things. I don't have enough. I was like, we have, we have more stickers. Okay. We have more stickers. Or if you need to, it's like we have 23 things on the mark. Uh, you can also tear your uh, sticker. 
I prefer you do each one just because I want to make sure that you're good on that. I mean, if we're going to sit as an appellate board that requires some neutrality, okay. But I don't know what that refers to. The green is I think I'm the very end now. So. Wait, you're doing this. I feel like I'm doing all the backwards. I feel like I don't merge them. You want to merge them? I don't. You just put a green saying you did. But it said merge them. So that means green means you. Outreach. Um, outreach. Um, oh. like, 
When we go out and we facilitate like main conversations with the you know police and the public. Yeah. Can blue stand for green? Yeah. 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 I actually didn't bother to do that. Even though I'm not on social representative, I have to carry greens. I have to on the Yeah. I know, I know it's outside, but I'm just like. we need more stickers than more. Mm -hmm. That's a coral Use any of them but the orange. Oh, 
Those house training and that would be something. Because right now it's like just the city coder and the same as the the rights one, I think. I, I saw the, the notes about it. And this would basically be like one that is a little stronger or specific or something like that. So there's a verification from the notes that you like. Anybody need more stickers? Make sure you you uh, weigh in on every single recommendation. Yes. 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 I picked up a new one tonight. I over there playing on both boats. You got it. Yeah, that's pretty good. Well, it had been a joy, not necessarily. Yeah. You're going to have to do That's better than Vizio. That's better than Vizio. Can you dash Yes, I like that. You can do a 
and you can elaborate and oh, get words on it. Oh my god. You can get words on it. Oh my god. You can get words on it. Oh my god. You can get words on it. Oh my god. You can get words on it. Oh my god. You can validate it as exactly what you did. I love that. Yeah, there's some. I'm curious for you. Oh, are you doing this for your own purposes? Is that how we do it? Or is this. Um, I'm not going to have a task and have a task. I think it'd be cool and unfortunate to have a lot of your projections like what we would go and we first could be given that, or we can see the final recommendations. Yeah. Okay, wait, you got it. Three different doctors. Sorry, it's just not right. Okay, you can do errors between things. There are so many different products that I want to show them. I just want to show them where you can. I think that might be the mapping solution. Well, whatever we please, I was that those are just because it's part of the basic. Yeah, but this is the base, and you can have multiple offers in at the same time. Okay, so how are you? This is a good transition. Um, if you let me just. Hey, uh, make sure that you you've weighed in on every item. Um, this is a good transition moment because then we're going to go through each one of them. If you need to take a quick break and we haven't already, this is a good time to do it. Grab some more food, do what you need to do, and then come back in uh, five minutes, and then we'll we'll get out of it. Thank you. All right, we need to uh, get started so we can go through each of these. Um, and find out where, where we're at with, with each one. Um, will you, will you see me yeah. If I can get people back. Yes, yes please. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for that. That's, that's a good quick visual to see where we're at on each, each uh, recommendation. So, uh, Appreciate that process. Okay. Yeah. Good. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. See you. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thanks for hosting us. <clears throat> okay. I'm just um, I want to make sure I got everybody here so we can go through these. Lightning Okay. Um, okay. So, <clears throat> what we're going to do is we're going to go through each recommendation. Um, this is what you all have weighed in on. Um, <clears throat> I just have a general question, first of all, because all of this is going to be need to be written up and, and we may have some editing and whatnot. If you have strong feelings about how you want your recommendations captured, like is it a full sentence or just bullet points, short phrases, um, please let me know on that. Um, green indicates um, 
easy win um, that you think that's something that we can go along with and might need a tweak of a word or two, but otherwise we're good to go. Yellow indicates likely that you're leaning in that direction, but might need to um, either clarify some language or you want a little bit more discussion before you're prepared to support it. And red means no, I'm not there. And um, either you disagree or you've got really strong feelings and um, we're not gonna necessarily get to any kind of consensus around that, but it might need to be reflected in the report narrative in some way. So I'm just gonna go through each one of these, read them. If um, you posted yellow, or if you wanna say why you're needing some more, let us know. Um, I wanna try and capture notes on this. If any of you want to capture any notes um, accordingly, that would be helpful. I just wanna make sure we do each one right. Okay, the first, related to the complaint process and receiving. Uh, general theme of increasing accessibility, and you identified a number of recommendations specific to that. Available locations need to increase, but at the same time, the people who uh, need them need to have a specific set of guidelines to follow. Um, most everybody agreed with this idea of increasing accessibility and available locations. For those of you who put yellow, what are your reservations here? What else do we need to clarify? Um, I put yellow. I was just confused about what was meant by specific set of guidelines to follow. And, yeah, anyone want to speak to that? So basically, if the, per the person who's tasked with receiving them, when a complaint is received, every single complaint, X, Y, Z happens. Okay. So there's this very specific set of, you could receive a complaint by mail, email, over the phone. It's taken and it's given to you. The complaint is, you know, first it's scanned. Second, it's this. Third, it's this. Fourth, it's this. There's a very clear and concise procedure that is followed for every complaint. Okay. So yeah, I would add that with the Yeah. So that's not specific to... Um, locations it was just a that yeah correct so, yeah probably okay. could have should have broken it apart could, perhaps but okay could you say the same thing for appeals yes that yes covers complaints mm -hmm. so it's both complaints and appeals yeah the standard procedure that is it's content neutral like it has nothing to do really with the appeal or the complaint itself other than every single one is treated the exact same way okay um anything else the only thing I would ask, add there, and I was agreeing, but yeah, uh, maybe some suggestions on locations. Okay, so we kind of, we identified, or you you put forward library, um, municipal court, district court, and what was the other one I saw? Um, city, city hall. hall. City hall. Online and on phone. That's our next one. Yeah. So don't have any problem with whoever getting the complaint. Here's some of the logistics that are behind that. One, we don't control anybody in district court, library, anything like that. So if it's given to a person, then we don't have control of that. They're not our employees for the second warrants. And number two is if it's left at a physical location, let's just say a box, <laughs> then you could have a very significant delay on when the when that complaint is. Okay. So we'll need to clarify just those issues related to is the person district. Is the person um, consistency and, and guidelines on that, and then security of the box. But we don't have to decide that here. That's, that's a down in the weeds right. kind of thing. And if you have a box at the library, just suggest what might wind up in it. <laughs> that's, 
Um, all right, next, available in digital format. Um, there are comments both that it be on the city website, distinct from the PD's website, but also on the PD's website. And I mean, you say both websites are the same, so you're just talking about the page? I guess it's page, okay. right? Yeah. Um, Okay. Yeah, like whatever the language good on that. is the same between both. Okay, plain language with a diagram of the process. So um, plain language being a movement, I don't know if the city really has embraced that in the same way, but um, a lot of local governments have really moved towards that. So stripping away legalese or technical language to make it really understandable to the general population. That's the gist of this recommendation, but also the diagram of the process. We saw that in the PowerPoint, but having some version of that, which we've talked about, building out a video or a whimsical or something. In the ordinance. A diagram in the ordinance? No, this no, would no, be no. For, like as a part of the complaint. complaint. Yeah, yeah. So that the complainant okay. is able to see where they are in the process and what they should anticipate going forward. And this can this is more of like a educational okay. piece of both parts yeah. of it, the plain language and the diagram. Yeah. Okay. And when we're talking about plain language, what are we referring to there? So with plain language, instead of saying, wherefore thou... I understand that the plain language, where I'm saying like in the form, yes, in the policy, the or... Explaining the process to the complainant. Okay. In plain language. Okay. You were here, place your complaint in this way. Okay. It will be received in this manner. The next step will be, you should anticipate... So a procedure that's in plain language. Right. Okay. Yeah. I agree we don't need any wherefores and whereases. Yeah. Uh, but the ordinance, we need to avoid ambiguity as well. And right. sometimes plain language is just plain ambiguous. Yeah. So when we get to that discussion about ordinance or however that looks, yeah, we yeah, can revisit we can revisit that. Number four, neutral party available to assist with process. So last week a lot of discussion around and the week before about um, assistance with filing. So this neutral party would be somebody who is trained to accept these that could answer questions. This isn't the same thing as like your personal advocate or friend that comes up here next. But it seems like there's strong consensus around identifying those individuals. Um, so, and, and there was one yellow. What was the remaining question on this? I would be very cautious about that because at what point does the neutral party become begin to influence the process? Okay. I mean, we have recently established a self-help center um, in the courthouse. Mm -hmm. But, man, that took a lot of planning about what they could do and what lines they should or should not cross. And, and I'm Okay, that was so, that's my yellow. Okay, I'm uncomfortable with the logistics of making that work. If this happened currently, does such a entity exist? Okay, so the cautionary note is really clear guidance and parameters around the role of that individual and do's and don'ts. Yeah, and if that I mean, can be spelled out, then and I suggested that be process. Be a member of the Human Relations Commission if they're willing to take that on. Sure, they could designate people on their board to do that. So long as they don't cross over into right. advocacy. Yeah. Okay. All right. That's great. Uh, next, uh, provide 
names, contact information of persons who can assist and individuals receiving complaints. So there are a few comments in your notes from this, and I'm not sure how that is distinct from the other, but basically one, uh, some of you are commenting that as a way for the public to fully understand where and how they can submit the names of people and their location should also be available so that the um, public has some choice about who they might go to with their complaint. They might, um, so what were you, there was a yellow, what questions, concerns did you have on that? Mine's pretty similar. Okay, so just have being real. Mm -hmm. Okay, all right, good. Um, number six, submission by phone to trained individuals, perhaps the neutral party from four. So um, several of you indicated you're okay with this. Several of you had questions. So the yellows, what, what, where were you coming in? What were your concerns on this one? Well, these are department's examples. Anybody can accept. Right. Yeah. So it's just it's not training necessarily to go into it. Like so, it's hey, I have this problem. Okay, let me get it to my sergeant or whatever. Or the sergeant takes it or whatever the case may be. I just we're using the word train, but I don't know what training necessarily you need just to accept it. The only thing, I mean, the, the easiest piece from my own doing this for a long time is just listening and taking information. Okay. You're right. <laughs> so part of this might be. So what do, what do we mean by training? What I was also seeing in the notes though, and, and to some of our early comments when we get there, is that there is a, a skill, if you will, around how you engage with that person when they're coming forward with the complaint. There's some do's and don'ts, and there's great examples of what not to do. And so I, I'm, I was wondering if that was also part of what we're Indicating that here. was my thought on trained is that these are individuals that need to have some training and you have a very upset person on the other line. Mm -hmm. There needs to be ways that you need to know how to interact with that person without making them feel invalidated, more upset, get all the information you can, and the conversation can end where that person feels confident that that complaint has been heard. Okay. Was the discussion around people non-police speaking to those trained individuals, or was it something different? Yeah, it wasn't specified. But it, what you're all—that was kind of about. our thought when we were like referencing back to the number four. Uh -huh. We we kind of right, I at least kind of figured that that neutral party is a truly neutral. Like, here's the complaint process. Here's how you file. Here are the steps. I can take your complaint and forward it to the appropriate parties. They just exist as someone if someone doesn't want to go to the police. They don't want to complain to the police. They don't want to go to the AG's office. They don't want to do any of the other things. There's at least someone that they can they can submit the complaint to and know that it goes to the correct party. Okay. And so that person who can take it by phone can be that same person or like maybe there's two, one person that seems like a lot. Maybe, I don't know. Uh, these are all questions that I think are beyond maybe the yeah. go. This is but that's my thought on that neutral party. Okay, yeah. Under, I don't know if we included this in there, we, we spoke about it before, but um, non-English speaker and then people that are hard of hearing, um, okay. how... I, I don't okay. know if the city already has language line, um, but that's a, that's a 
it's a decent enough service. Sometimes there's a struggle with it, but and is yeah, and and is that um, is there a current uh, for non-English speakers? Um, what's the current practice if someone were to submit a complaint or you could ask, how would that handle speak that language? You could probably we use Propio language. Propio, okay. Yeah. Yeah, but that's the police department. Does anyone else, Casey? Does anyone else use? We that? have a, a. I don't. I don't know specific to complaints, but um, we do have a service that if folks need non-English speakers, um, it's a translation line we call and ask for someone who speaks the language, and that person gets on the phone and serves as a translator. But getting someone trained, I mean, it's kind of hit and miss, isn't it? When you call that number. Well, we get somebody when we call it. I mean, it's, right. they're they're a translator between state. It usually comes up in our city clerk's office when people are there to apply for a license and they have questions for the city clerk. So okay. that's the, the context I'm the most familiar with. See, if it's only a trained person, then I guarantee you, oh, that person's not available. Can you call back on next Monday when they're back from vacation or that type of stuff? You'll never... Yeah, that person's never available. <laughs> the language line is 24 hours. It's yeah. not, okay, it's but what about yeah. the non-language issue? Where it's not a language issue, it's just getting someone who's trained. I think yeah. in that case, that's, that's, uh, that's another the person that's trained would be given that resource. Yeah, like hire more than one person. Okay, okay. that person would also have um, an accessibility exactly. to call the language line. This, this one we spent a, a good amount of discussion. Um, this last one says, support person allowed to assist complaint with the process. And the genesis for this that you identified was someone who either is intimidated by the process, unfamiliar with the process, um, needs that encouragement or support through the process um, that they're recognized as someone that is helping to submit. Maybe likes language skills maybe um, is, you know, has a combination of limitations. Okay. And that's already in our policy. You can bring whoever you want. Okay. So that, that's great. So we have a lot of consensus around. Um, we bring over the next one. Thank you. Thank you. Um, all right, so next one under complaint process. Okay, next we have uh, anyone can file a complaint, but only the complainant can appeal. So um, the comment here, um, many of you were okay with that. Yellows, what was your reservation on this one? I think it's worded incorrectly. I think we're talking about the person who's the subject of, of the complaint. That just says the complainant can file. So if I'm a third party, I can file a complaint and I'm the only one that can appeal. So I think the wording is just incorrect. Okay. So um that's that so have, um what what but only an involved complaint can appeal. Only okay, thank right. you. Because I think that comes back to somebody who has only hearsay knowledge. Oh, Even though they're the complainant, yeah. they don't have any basis to know whether the result was correct or not. Okay. Or we do get them sometimes where the third party makes the complaint and the people that are involved in the police action don't want to cooperate with the complaint. 
So, yeah. and that was the concern related to right. So, okay. So I I think I captured that. So and and involved. Um, all right. Next education sessions for the public about the complaint form and process. So one of the recommendations coming out of this is once all of this is finalized, that then there'll be public education around, here's the revised, however you want to describe it, here's the new process, here's how it works. You hand out the brochure that has the diagram on it, all of that. I'm not, I'm not against it uh, at all. In fact, I think it's great. I'm just going to, nobody's going to pay attention to it until they're ready to have that process. It's just like anything else. Like now this is a concern to me. So it may be a more robust thing to do to be like, here's a video I can click on with somebody explaining to me the complaint process. Because yeah. I mean, when this work's done, I mean, there's there's like one or two people usually in the room here. There's nobody online. Nobody's going to pay attention for that moment right there. There's so video might be a way to complement this. I totally disagree with you. They're, they're going to be lined up. The room's going to be packed. Yeah, they're going to be like, "This is fabulous." <laughs> like, That's you a guys are geniuses. You. <laughs> you guys are geniuses at producing. Okay, example for live feed. but like the CPRB were to send somebody to the NAACP, there were a lot of folks that were. Um, members of that organization that came to the community sessions, yeah. I'm pretty sure that they would they they would want to see an end result. I think they would be absolutely. Interested. Our first community session, we almost ran out of space. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I actually do think, and I think that it's it's should be a a an expected and hoped for outcome of this whole effort is that you draw attention to this, but you're able to demonstrate, and the city's able to demonstrate real meaningful progress that has value for people. And so um, I hope that that's that. that and I think there. too, that is a part of building trust. You know, I sat with Anne and I, I really believe it's a part of building trust. And then if, if then no one shows up time and time again, then I would say do the video of me. Oh, and I wasn't saying yeah. not do that. I was just saying, I, I agree with it, but typically when on voice things like you know, yeah, there's yeah. not a lot there's not a lot of interest in don't um, interest in the moment is what I was saying. So yeah. I was second I wasn't disagreeing that we should have oh, okay. yeah. Yeah. All right. Thanks. Okay. Um a standard complaint form. There's a full consensus on that. So what that looks like. Would you add standard uh appeal form as well? Yeah. Yes. The other thing I was going to ask on that is are we requiring people to do the form? I currently that. do that. So right now we'll take a complaint anyway. You can put it on a napkin and hand it in. Do we are we saying we want people to fill out the complaint form? One benefit of that, because I mean you are cutting out various ways to submit a complaint, which could reduce the lower willingness to submit a complaint. I think the one benefit of that would be if you have Questions on the complaint form that you wanted, you wanted to collect that information across all of your complainant base, which would be demographic information. Or maybe it's their, maybe you always want their contact information regardless of you know, any other part of the process. I don't know. That that would be something I would say as somebody. I'm just asking the question. Yeah. I'm not, I'm fine either way. I just want to make sure that we understand what the group wants so that we can do that. I think it's important to provide a standardized form. But I, I'm, 
I'm with you about if it comes in on the napkin, even if it's been used, take it. Yeah, some departments require you to fill out a form and sign it, and we do not do that here. So when, just... when I was saying a standard complaint form, I think that there's a standard amount of information that we'd like to be collected regardless of um, the way in which they are engaging with the, the process. So if they're calling it in, they're obviously not filling out a complaint form, but the person with whom they're communicating should have some questions that they're asking to get additional information so that for tracking purposes, there's information. I know for a location intake, sometimes you'll ask the demographic questions and they don't want it, they don't want that included. And so I wonder if there could be maybe at the end of the year when you know, some of these things were done on a complaint form that was standardized. Some of them were inputted on the complaint form by maybe these people that are accepting the complaints. But then there could be like a gray area of, you know, 73% of the complainants we have racial information for. And of those, you know, you can go down just like what we would do with patient intake. So I think there could be a both hand, like maybe there's these multiple ways to collect complaints. And they're all standardized into how maybe there's a there's a spreadsheet or something on the back end, and those could be analyzed. That was what I was thinking is that the person receiving the complaints, if we go to this like a neutral party that's doing it, they are the ones that can gather the other information. Put it, and put it into the form. Put it into the form that then is submitted or however the process is all one place too. Exactly. Yeah. So that the two compelling interests I'm hearing is that. We want to make sure it's accessible so that anybody can make a complaint. So we don't want to create barriers to that. But we also don't want to lose the opportunity or or um, forget the value in capturing shared data across complaints. It's also, sometimes people can turn in a complaint that's very serious, but they don't give any information. And so it's hard to follow up on that mm -hmm. complaint. So, so what about appeal forms? We do require a written appeal form in the current ordinance. Um, oh yeah, they're not. That, that we're all okay with that. No one has suggested a change to that. Yeah, if it's appeals, it's in writing. Yeah. Okay. Thanks. Include demographic data to enable uh, tracking of trends or patterns. So this is something we discussed <laughs> last week, um, and it will come up again uh, in a later recommendation. But. Um, any discussion on that? I would just add that the standardization is going to be very important for that to be able to be possible. Okay. So it just ties in from 10 to 11. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> Some people will not want to give you Sure. They don't have to. Right. And, that, and it'll be optional. So, okay, next one. Um, the recommendation was um, that the complaint is received jointly by the PD and the CRD at the same time. <laughs> and um, seems to be a contentious. And there was strong feelings about that. So some said great, some didn't. And then everybody's it's, focused it's on that. Five, five and one. <laughs> but well, actually, I see five, five, yeah, five, five and one, yes. Um, What's the issue? Talk about it. Well, what's in the complaint? So it could be a criminal investigation that we have to do. Um, it could also, by giving it to CRB, especially it talks about the public forum later before we're ready, we may be investigating, we may be gathering information before the officer even knows that. And so we wouldn't want to, we wouldn't give anything out of the next. Okay. 
So it was of and, serious in nature. And just so I'm understanding, this would be that if if I submitted it to the PD, my my complaint, it would automatically be submitted to the CPRB at the same time. Is that what we're essentially saying? It's kind of contradicting. Why? Why does it need to come to us at the same time? I think the idea is so that the CPRB knows when complaints have been filed. Um, and if they just never hear about it, a question from the CPRB to the police could be like, hey, did these all get sustained? Was there any, what's going on? Just out of curiosity, making sure that complaints don't get lost. Um, so we would, so, so to clarify this, it, if it was to go to the CPRB, it would be for us to keep track of it. That's my idea. Like this was one suggestion that wasn't one of mine in general. Yeah. Um, so but for tracking purposes. If the goal behind this is to ensure that the CPRB has a good read of numbers and types of complaints that are coming in, could that goal be achieved through some other method other than them receiving the actual complaint. Was that the last one over there? The PD shall provide a monthly listing of all complaints. It's also number one in the second one. The chief already provided monthly summary of the complaint to us already. Yeah. That's voluntary though. Yeah. Okay. And we'll get to that other one. But it is. And if this is primarily public reporting piece, it sounds like that's where that's lame. But if people feel strongly about that. This is one where we clearly don't agree on it, but we can capture that in our narrative. Um, but we're not going to necessarily. Yeah, resolve. to be clear, I don't think I've actually stated it. I think all of these should go into the report. Just all of them should have the context of how the board or how the group voted, okay. essentially. Yeah. Like none of these should just be completely excluded because, like, they're all red or all yellow or whatever. They should still go in the report. But hey, here's the context of what the work group said. Okay. And then the second side. Now, the context of this is that um, for tracking to make sure that none of the uh, complaints mysteriously don't get followed up on. So you don't have to, the CPRB doesn't have to take any action at that time. They're just aware of an issue. So, um, a so do that. a complaint number would be fantastic for them to be able to track what's going on. So while I don't have all the details at this particular juncture, I should be keeping my eye open that at some point in time in the future, this is a complaint that is being reviewed. I might see it at some point in time in the future. I don't need to have the details right now. My purpose of doing green on that one and... Um, the next one, number 13 as well, was I'm, I'm under, I'm always under the assumption that any big office has uh, tight capacity and that if there's a potential that a CPRB receives something at the same time, it could be a help to the LP. That's why I put it in there. I was like, well, you know, would that be help alleviate um, pressure to respond to that? You know, I thought yeah. that that's where I was going. Oh, okay. Like, you know, I, the more I think about it, um, I see the benefit of having it come just for FYI, but you also have to understand that most of it is going to come by email, which is through a third-party server, 
and there may be some confidentiality and security issues that would be put at risk that way. Um, so there's this. Um, I hadn't even thought of it that way, but yeah, you know, it's a. There's a joke placard um, where it says complaint department right here. And it's like an arrow to a trash can or complaint department open on the 32nd of every month from 2 uh, 63 p.m. to 301. Right. And so there are people that might believe that if it is only going to be received in one space, that their complaint might not get forward traction. And so by saying that it will be received by the CPRB, um, it can be just a complaint number that has just very basic non-identifying information that will allow the CPRB to be tracking it so that they know at some point in time that they should be getting more information about this. Even if it is the chief in his monthly report saying this actually falls under criminal activity we're investigating and leaving it at that. Um, my other thing is that we're going to be talking about it later. Confidentiality is part of the board. There shouldn't be information released publicly. So you're already not giving them the police officer's name. You're not giving them the complainant's name just giving them general information so that they know that in the month of January, 16 complaints were received. Uh, we've seen forward progress on four of them, the other 12. What so you're not talking about forwarding a copy of the complaint, you're talking about forwarding the fact that it was filed and the basic subject matter. Yes. Yes. Okay. That's... Yeah, that's different, but then of course you need somebody who's going to do the somewhat accurate summary of it. I don't. Okay. That's, logistically, I'm not even sure how this is honestly possible. Because if you think about it, if everybody can receive complaints, right? If somebody could call us and complain. Under this, we would then have to send it to the CPRB automatically. Well, there's a concern that we're going to just bury it. So. How do you, I mean, it would have to go to like some neutral party, like one person, and then it would have to go from that one person to these two places. So then that creates an issue where it has to go to this one place and this one place only. It can only go there before it then goes to other places. That's that's one of my concerns is I think it creates an inefficiency. I think it creates duplicative load. And I think it is um, maybe assuming that there's an issue there that is not frankly there. So well some some review boards they do have one only three ways of submitting complaints that goes to one person. They probably get it to so that's how some review boards work. So this sounds like um part of it is is um responding to um, either a lack of trust or confidence that a complaint will be handled. Um, that there's also some logistics when it opens up another set of challenges if it were done in this way. Um, and clearly we've got some different ideas on this. So let's flag that in the narrative 
but I also want to make sure that as we, we look at other recommendations within the process, what else are we doing to build confidence? And if this is one solution to that, what are some of the other things that might also be solutions to help address that? A fair way to dance that dance between these two. Um, appeal, extend the appeals window. So um, some of the comments there, so it's currently 14 days. Um, some of the comments were, uh, if it's criminal investigation, it's taking forever to go through that. Um, is there some corresponding extension to the window for well, appeals? If you don't have a decision, you don't have an appeal. That's what I would Right, but the point is being not going, it's being delayed until the criminal charge is over with. The 14 days hadn't started. Now, and even if you're convicted of capital murder, you only have 14 days. Is so I what, what the else? The issue was trying to contact that person within 14 days because I think we talked about people moving and people not knowing, not receiving, but I think they said it would be mailed out. And I think we talked, said something about how people move every year, mourned, and forwarding addresses. And I think that's why. Well, it's 14 uh, days from receipt of notification. So the department would have to prove receipt of the notification for the 14 days to run. So one of the reasons why I suggested we extend the appeals window is unlike someone who is um, uh, accused of capital murder, um, the person that's accused of capital murder has um, attorneys. They have, um, they're involved in the process. They're not. They're present when the decision's made. They're present. So, and they're anticipating that there's going to be a decision of some sort. Um, a criminal process can take time. So someone can put in a complaint now and be told, there's nothing we can do about it right now. We're investigating the criminal side. It could be years later. And so now you're getting, I get something in the mail that says I have 14 days to respond. I frankly haven't even really thought about that in possibly years, but I have to, in 14 days, reserve my appeal right and figure out how to put something in writing. That wouldn't be how it would work. If, if, if we're talking about a criminal complaint that takes, let's say it takes a year for us to investigate, when we do the personnel complaint, we would have to contact you and be in contact with you and get a statement and interview the officer. And so you would be involved and it wouldn't be a year since you've heard anything. And so you would know, and then when it's all done, we've been in contact with you. So the way that we've been in contact with you, we would also contact you to say the investigation completed. It wouldn't just be a blind letter mailed out and you wouldn't know it's coming. That was not discussed in the process. So that would need to that be is the process. Own. Okay, that that's that's good to know. So, because um, the concern was, does that in this in that example, criminal investigation delay all this? But you're saying that this would go on. No, wouldn't wouldn't necessarily have all that. It, it, it could go on, but if if we like, if let's say we put the administrative complaint on hold until the criminal complaint's done. Mm -hmm. When the criminal complaint's done. We would then contact you about the administrative complaint and at that point get a statement from you and then run it through the complaint process. So it wouldn't be like you don't hear from us in six months and it's done and you get a notice. You would be interviewed and it would be just like you had just filed a complaint. Okay. 
Does that make sense? I also don't think anyone was suggesting like extending it to like 90 days. It would be more like 30, maybe 45. Just enough to kind of allow for the vagaries, uh, the vagaries of like the mail. <laughs> for well, one, like we're not. We're going to contact you the way that you've been contacting us. So whether it's the mail or email or over the phone, those those contacts are going to take place. So it's not like you're going to lose it. Is, um, is there? Um, I don't think. I think. I mean, like this thing talks about extending the appeal process for how long the investigation takes. And, I don't, first of all, I don't know if we take a eight months to do an investigation, but I don't know how that correlates to eight weeks for an appeal. That was just a proposed idea of like a ratio of like uh, trying to, to bring something. But the concern is, 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 is 14 days sufficient, I think? And if it's not, should that be looked at to extend? I think that all goes back to when um, Officer um, Brushes said, Something about it could be a year or however long for the investigation, and that's how we. The criminal investigation could take that long, but our complaint investigations, mm -hmm. they would never take that long. I don't know. Do we have any policy how long it should take? It's like 90 days max. And if it goes longer than that, then you're notified that it's going longer than that. But I would say the vast majority of these investigations are going to be done probably in a couple of weeks, unless we have problems getting a hold of somebody. So there wouldn't be a complaint that would take that long to investigate unless there's an underlying criminal issue to it, and that would delay it because the we won't do the administrative side until the criminal side's done. Is there anything else that we need to capture for the sake of the narrative on this one? Are, are we not in agreement about a about a I don't know that the appeal process is that hard. I don't know if I think you're just signing a form saying I want to be not something that takes months to prepare and briefs. It's literally and maybe we just put something in to satisfy this that says we'll make contact with the person and confirm that they do the investigations and complete and what the outcome is. And that way it's documented that you've notified them either by phone or by email and they've confirmed that and then would that change how everyone feels about the time frame after we've confirmed that they were notified so then you would put the standard operating procedure in place so that it's always done right consistently right right so what we would do is then in the file we would say on on august 28th at 7 53 i talked to the complainant informed him or her that the investigation was complete here's the outcome and notified them of their appeal, uh, the appeal process, and then mailed them a form, emailed them a form, told them the form was online, whatever it might be. Well, and you Is make that... an important point, Jane, that the, the time for the appeal, I mean, what good is the right to appeal if you haven't assured that they know they have that right? And right. if you can confirm that they have notice of a decision and they've been informed of their right to appeal and the time during which they can appeal. 14 days, if you're unhappy, you know it right now. Does that clean does that clean up of the procedure address most of that concern there? I mean, I still think it should have a few extra days, but it makes more sense now that the process has been more fully under uh, explained. So I think that's one where 
recontextualize with some members of the board would like to see an extension, but the exact number was not, I don't think, decided, nor does it need to be decided. I think that there could be some exceptions. Like, if so, so I'm thinking of the case of somebody who speaks Spanish and they need to wait to find, so, you know, somebody, one of their kids to translate it for them, and then they need to, like... Which is like why, like, the extension would bake some of those exceptions into it. So, yeah, I think, I think some type of exceptions might be better. Yeah, we have so many other. Uh, yeah, we got okay. Thank you for that. That touched on a number of important things. Um, okay, next one: reopening complaints when new evidence is found. Uh, the context for this, um, part of the part of the genesis for this comment was um, patterns and trends observation. Um, if I'm recalling correctly that say, for example, a complaints filed about a particular officer, and at the time it was just a comment on rudeness, but then in retrospect, um, there's actually a, a distinct pattern that appears to be there, that it's not just rudeness, it happens to be rudeness only towards um, uh, Hispanic, uh, men over of a certain age or something like that. And you can see this this pattern here. And that's essentially new evidence. So as I understand, uh, is that capturing what, where people are coming at? Wouldn't it be reopening an appeal, not the complaint? I mean, the complaint, uh, they have an unlimited number of time right now to file a complaint. They could file a complaint about something that happened in 1893 if they wanted to, if they were around then. No? There's a time frame. What is it? Do we know? Is it in policy? I didn't yeah. see it in the ordinance. What was the concern specific to this? Anything? Oh, so, well, and, who and, reopens and under what circumstances and, you know, It, it just, it's so vague to me, but, so you know, if it's, if it's a complainant, they can file another one if they want. Well, that's what I was wondering, because <laughs> as, as I begin to observe this pattern, once I've kind of observed that, am I then filing a new complaint? Or are you asking the police department to reopen it when the pattern comes to the department's attention, or are you asking CPRB somehow to be familiar with that pattern and reopen it? Who is reopening? And my issue is what defines evidence. So can I tell you how Fort, Fort Collins has a provision specifically on this? No, I don't mean to harp on Fort Collins, but they dealt with it, and I've seen it work. It states a request to reconsider any review previously conducted by the board must contain a dis detailed written description of the significant new information which has become available and an explanation as to why the information was not reasonably available to the board, the complainant, or police services at the prior review. If the board agrees to consider the review, police services shall forward the investigatory file to the board for review. So that's one of the specific reviews. Right. And... Um, 
think that would be within the purvey of the board. It, it only appeals or what can be review, uh, reviewed because I know I'm jumping ahead, yeah. but pretty much everyone agreed board serves in review capacity. So we're not going to look at uh, the complaints that weren't appealed. We're looking at complaints that have been have been like, hey, this was decided by you as a CPRB, whatever the outcome, new evidence, please reconsider. And if the board agrees to reconsider because the evidence is strong enough, it's significant enough, or the reason it wasn't available is significant enough, then the board reviews, re-reviews. Or, but the board doesn't investigate. I mean, and I, and I think the color scheme indicates that that's probably not the board responsibility. The question is who looks at the new evidence and who decides that it should be looked at? Should that not go directly to the police department, not to the CPRB? Because it's going looking at new evidence requires new investigation. The board may also request that the police services further investigate the matter. Thank you. I think that would, I think that's one that is definitely within the purvey of the ordinance team. Yeah, that, that's getting into something that we can't resolve right What do you mean? I just resolved it. We <laughs> <laughs> got quite a few more lines to go. We got, um, thank you for that. Um, we've got all green on this next one. Proper tracking of complaints with updates to CPRB. Cool. Nicely done. Written receipt sent within 24 hours to both CPRB and complainants. Um, number of yellows. What was the concern there? Let's back to yes. like if we're just giving a case number, maybe, but um, it, you may not even have it for 24 hours. Is it right? Is the 24 hours the trigger there? Yeah. That was a concern that that's too small a win. Yeah, you may not even have the paper from on Friday. It's, it's just not one business day. So that's sure. there's a there's a practical element to that, but that the 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 goal here was to say that it's done in a timely way. That's, that's yeah, the, the goal. The right? goal is don't wait three weeks to be like, oh hey, we got a complaint. Okay. I think receipt's good and that goes back to that other one about it going to the police and the CPRB. Yeah. If we're concerned about it being hidden or something. If there's a receipt sent and it fits in the diagram that we like that's that everybody's okay with that you're going to get a receipt and you don't get a receipt, ask some questions. Just like if you buy something at the store online, you know you're gonna get a receipt. You're gonna get one. Okay. Um we're good on that. On the hours. Okay. Good on the receipt. Yeah, the hours was I think um the online standard complaint form you could have, you know, if it was submitted that way, there could be an automated you know, that, that would be functional. That's a function. Yeah. Uh, if my, my core team can do it, everyone else, and I think. Okay. Um, this next one, um, Brenda. Brenda, um, establish standards of review. And we added it over here with the parentheses simple. Um, okay. So I, I can really speak to that part is that standards of review are necessary, but it should not take a team of three lawyers to determine what is the standard of review. And like looking at something like, oh, do we have authority to look at this? It, it, can, it, can, it can be very simple. Um, what that looks like, I think, is perhaps beyond the scope of tonight and this yeah. 
work through, but it, there's a, is, is there a standard of review in our current ordinance? Do you consider that? As, is that what you're talking about? In the standard I, I think that was the genesis is that it's deficient. Yeah. Or it's mm -hmm. in, in, yes. but, okay. in, so it's too complicated or? The, Brenda was the one who suggested it. Yeah, so. we'll, we'll ask her to clarify, but let me jump on the next one. Mm -hmm. Okay, resolving results of investigation provided in, red, in writing to both the client and the CPRB. Uh, <clears throat> mostly brings any concerns you want to speak to on that? When? That'd be my question. Because that's already being done on the other thing of where you're providing monthly or whatever time update. So it, it already goes in writing to the complaint. So it's overlap with some of these. Yeah. Okay. Um, all right. So that's, that would be the, the clarifying piece. Um, Brenda, standards of review. Well, I just thought the whole statement that exists. Well, first of all, the one that exists in the current ordinance is better, but the one that exists in the bylaws is so muddy. I'm not disagreeing with the um, substantial competent evidence, just with the wording of it more than anything. Okay. But then I also think it's important because I've never been a police officer. I've never stood in that position. And when you're, when you're, evaluating whether actions were reasonable under the circumstances. Um, we either need some expert testimony on that, or we need to provide, allow some deference and some discretion and to consider the circumstances. But the other piece of it is when what we're looking at is, did the action violate department policy? Who's the expert on that policy? That would be the department. And I think that it would be appropriate for deference to be paid to the department's interpretation of whether those actions, which the board reviews for substantial competent evidence to support the conclusion what the action was, was in fact a violation of the policy. Did that make sense? Yeah, so um, I'm hearing a, a couple of things from that. Um, one, that the standards of review as as articulated in the ordinance is better than the bylaws. So that's a cleaning up the bylaws is a separate issue. And it needs cleaning up too. Um, but also um, leveraging expertise where expertise lies right. specific to this. Um, that would have to be a case by case. So yeah. okay, use yeah. use of force example. Very like even if we give the entire board training on use of force, it's never going to comprehend to the level that you need to. So in a case of review, you'd go here's the standard that an officer has to use to determine whether the force is reasonable. And you would have to lay all those things out and then go okay, here's the policy. And yeah. then they, the investigator would conclude whether or not it was reasonable force, and would have to state why. Right. If they're not stating why in the investigation report, then you can either send it back and say explain or... Well, the why is what I'm talking about, you know, with some deference to the department to interpret its own policy. But substantial competent evidence is evidence to support findings of fact. Okay. 
the officer did or did not do take take this action. The complainant says did, the officer says didn't. What evidence do you have to support the conclusion that the officer did or didn't? And that's where you get the substantial competent evidence. That's enough for a reasonable person to believe that the evidence leads to that factual conclusion, which is far different from interpreting those facts under the department policy and based on the officer's training. So, um, so this is helpful. I also just want to um, throw out there the um, on, from the CPRB perspective and the um, concerns that we heard through community conversations and whatnot is either not being overly deferential to the department to determine that or having some, whether it's part of the standards review or whatnot, from a community perspective, having confidence in that that review and that decision as well. So I don't know, I just want to lift that up. I don't know how it's perspective here necessarily, but that's part of it too, is a skepticism around being overly differential in that. But at the end of the day, there's also an expertise in this existing policy. Right. That, and, that, you know, that's the point of the review. Right. You know, did, did the evidence amount to the facts found by the departments? That's the big review. And given those facts, mm -hmm. is there a violation of policy here? A and, you know, it's, it's not my policy. Mm -hmm. It's the department's policy. And the cleaning up of the standards of review would also be something that's getting down into weeds that would be outside the scope of this, but it sounds like it needs to be done. Somebody sitting over there can go Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Last two on this one. Um, provide copy of the findings of the investigation and all communications with complaint before the board considers the appeal. I read that word as final investigation. You're saying Finance it's findings? Final. final. No, I misspoke. Yeah, so that's, I think I'm the red one there. You can't give the entire investigative report to the complainant. That's, why? I don't think that's ever done. I just, out of curiosity, like, why? Why don't you, Chief? <laughs> it's a public record. Uh, they get a copy of their statement, but not everything else. It's personnel information. Personnel record. And they, they get a copy of any uh, video of them. Of them. Of them. Okay, so there's there's a, a, a whole lot. But it looks like I'm the only red so. No, I, I think I misread it, but I, you can't. It, it's saying the complaint. I, I wouldn't give it to I, the complaint or the board. Like, I would come in with a file, because this is somebody's personnel record, right? Here's a file. Let's read it. Let's talk about standards. You're going to be there a while. I mean, uh, we we have a duty to protect the privacy of the police officer. This this one written contract. Um, this was not clear in comments. Um, as I was looking at that, it also sounds like there's a whole lot layer to that. That um, I don't know we can do anything with that specifically here because I wasn't. And I think I missed that page. I I would definitely go red on that one. Uh, unless I mean, honestly, the board. The board signs a confidentiality the agreement, and to share that entire file with the board is one thing. 
but to share it with the complainant, I totally agree. And this before, because now we're, we're putting in a personnel investigation out in the ethers. So even okay. if we put the board. Um, so I don't think there's anything we're, we're in a place to do on this one. No, but I've changed it around, so I don't know how you're going to note this later, but I misread. Well, it, no, it just sounds like there's some complexities to it that we don't have That's enough context for to be able to no. Okay. Um, well, and there's, you're not going to see a disciplinary board that's going to give a file, a complete disciplinary file to somebody who makes a complaint, whether it's attorneys or doctors <clears throat> or would, anyone. Yeah. No, I would go with appropriately redacted. No, I'm not. I'm talking and about the, the board. I think we can figure out the board issues so the right. board can look at all the stuff for the appeal. But giving the the investigative file to the complainant is just not something no. that's there's not anywhere with it where you would do that in any profession. <laughs> okay. Um, next. <laughs> so you know, there's more than one red there, right? Yes. Yes, there's, there's multiple, but it's it's also it's it's a level of complexity for um, I beyond what we're been, trying to accomplish in this. I would have been read on that. I think I missed that page. Yeah. The, um, I follow up with follow those up with those who withdraw complaints and um, ensure ensure data from complaint remains with CPRB. So the concern here was. Um, if someone if someone withdraws a complaint, what happens? Like, is there do we revisit to understand why? Is there um, an over uh, a larger concern um, that we're seeing that? Um, well, it gets a disposition, and so if you're worried about the CPRB hearing it from our discussion last week, we said we would provide a summary review in. in Session of the ones that are not appealed, right? So someone's going to get to hear they withdrew, but I don't know if you want to contact the people because sometimes it's because the people are mightily embarrassed about what's happened. The danger, yeah, though, that that would prevent would be the worry that someone, i.e., the police, have leaned on them to withdraw it or yeah. someone else. So are you saying that CPRB should follow up with them? That's what my question was on. Let's yeah, that. Who follows up? Anybody want to speak to where you're coming from or your thoughts on that? Yes. That was how I was reading it, but I'm not sure. The that's, CPRB yeah. would follow up? Yeah. Okay. So basically, what we're saying, what I was thinking uh, around that question, if I complain, but yet all of a sudden I decide to withdraw, all I want to know is to make sure there's some things in place that that is still reported. That is. It's the disposition of that complaint would be withdrawn, and it would be reported to the CPRB that it was withdrawn. So part of what we're doing is the um, practice of transparency, and so making sure that it was voluntarily withdrawn and not coerced. Sure. Um, and I'm not saying by you, it could be by anybody, but um, just having follow-up. And so my question would be, who, if, who should follow up? I, I think it think should be either the CPRB or the neutral third party. How would the CPRB follow up? What would be, how would we know when a complaint is drawn? We would notify. We'd get a report. We would notify. Yeah. Because you, 
And then you would have to draw straws for you. It's not a bad idea. <laughs> if we are engaging with the complainants. What was that, Brendan? I don't That's... think we remain neutral for a review process if we are engaging face-to-face -face with the complainants. Forwarding the complaints is one thing, but contacting them and determining why they withdrew a complaint or, you know, some other kind of contact that has to do with with the facts of an unresolved complaint, then, then we're not neutral at the point of review, appeal. Okay, and the neutral party. Yep. I'm yeah. kind of seeing it as like an exit interview or like a medical field through refusal of um, treatment or, you know, like there is a little bit of Sometimes people will ask why they get a bigger financial issue. Is it? Yeah. I think that gets into um, trust issue, but yeah, I don't know that what would be done if they. I mean, I, I'm always thinking about like what's the application. So if they withdrew their their complaint, then if there's nothing for the board to do right. about that, um, but I do think it would be interesting data to have. Who would be the neutral party? Mm -hmm. I think that's something that's, that we decided further. Yeah, that's a level of detail we can't get. But the but the issue is, is there is there a pattern? Are we um, or um, if we have concerns about complaints being withdrawn, how do we make sure that that is addressed without stepping into a role that is not what the role of the CPRB itself is? Okay, next. Um, resolving a uh, permit complaint to address the CPRB while in executive session to allow complaint to state why they think investigation was improperly done, not for CPRB to gather investigative facts. So this is speaking to the use of executive session. So the common, not real common, but the the that was intended to uh, let the complainant tell the CDRP confidentially in executive session so the person isn't identified that the uh, investigation didn't interview Joe Blow, who was a witness, and I gave that witness's name to the police and they never talked to him. I know they didn't because I see him regularly. Uh, so that would be an instance where the CPRB would ask the investigator, did you interview him? Why not? And if there's not a good reason for it, or it seems to be that they need to do it, then you would send it back for further investigation. Wouldn't they put that in their appeal? Yeah, what Maybe. makes sense about that to me is you do not expect every complainant to put into writing what their what their issue is that that you might have to give them an opportunity to come in and tell you orally why they think it's wrong and it gives them an outlet i mean it right gives them what's you know you're, you're listening to them. is and is this uh not allowed currently or um stressed it's what it's, it's not, not addressed. addressed um so we'd be going to the city attorney's office and asking for an opinion probably 
think if this we can is do just that. turning us into investigators more than defeating the purpose of us just being a review. I don't I don't see this happening or passing at all. Action on this? No, I don't disagree with you technically, but from the standpoint of creating a reliable process and realizing that a lot of people are not going to verbalize initially with their appeal what their concerns are. I think of it I think of it as an opportunity to give them a fair hearing and not not to go out and investigate whether or not they talk to Joe Blow, but just to hear that that's their concern and why they appealed. You're also, if you're not going to allow that, then they're going to come to your meeting and they're going to talk publicly about it. And if uh, they're giving up the right of confidentiality when they do that, obviously, and they'll try to talk about the officer and use the officer's name in the public session. So you get all that into the executive session when they come and want to say something. So what would be um, um, what action can this group the form of these recommendations take relative to this? I think this, recommend that. Yeah. I think we put it in the report as it's written, and it shows that there were a bunch of yellows and a bunch of greens. Yeah. Contextualize with the comments that, that Dr. Turner made, what Brenda said. That's People what we want to be heard. This is a way that that could happen. We're trying to get through these recommendations, and we have 10 minutes. Yes. Well, we don't have 10 minutes. Like, uh, <laughs> yes. So, so the next, the conversation, my concern is not the first thing there. It's that it is um, that they would have to stick right. to a set of rules. There's a lot of things that would have to be yeah. worked <laughs> out and stipulated relative to this. One thing I want to process wise, though, because what Harrison said, um, we're not making recommendations to the commission. We're just throwing this out there and contextualizing the discussion. So there's, well, there's two things. You're definitely making recommendations, okay. but you're only making recommendations on things that you have consensus around. But if there's other things that you feel strongly about should be included in the report format, it can be captured with context around it, but it doesn't have to be in the form of, we think this is a good idea. Yeah. Like the recommendation report can literally list the number of greens and yellows and reds each of these numbers had, because that shows the overall consensus for the particular recommendation. And the city might look at a recommendation that is all red and be like, you know what, we like this, despite what the work group says, we're going to do it anyway. Or they might see something that's all green and be like, never mind, we're not yeah. doing that. That it doing it in a report format like that and then having these kind of buckets gives you the flexibility to kind of weigh in on issues from different perspectives. It also gives the commission some context when they decide what they want to decide. So um, as opposed to only putting forward those items that you have full consensus on, for example, um, and also why we, we wouldn't necessarily do that in the form of an ordinance where you don't have the ability to give this other kind of context. But all these things that are going to impact how the CPRB is structured will end up maybe being an ordinance at some point. Um, but that doesn't live with our, that's not our responsibility at this, this group. Um, but will ultimately need to happen. Okay. Um, 
next public reporting. You missed number five there. Uh, I oh, so this is the this is the follow up to that of um, permit CPRB to ask police or other witnesses into an executive session for the purpose of answering questions from the CPRB regarding the conduct of the investigation. Um, not the... And maybe that's going to be possible anyway, depending upon what the city attorney says. Uh, maybe that's true without putting it in the ordinance, but it seems to me that they need to be able to have the investigator come into the executive session if the board has questions about the investigation. And I can tell you from experience, the board always has questions about an investigation. They've just spent a few hours reading all the stuff to it, and they've got questions. So um, there's split ideas about this. There's a lot to it. There is cautionary notes on each of these mm -hmm. about what's the board's role and saying it's not to investigate or not to discover investigative facts, but this is about the conduct of the investigation. But this, again, is something that's, there's a lot to unpack relative to this that we're not going to be able to do. It. Um, public response. Public reporting. The PD shall provide a monthly listing of all complaints, a brief summary of the allegations, investigative findings, and relevant dates with names of individual parties withheld. So this is like the general reporting out, the CPRB. Um, By yellow is the monthly, the ordinance that's is what poorly. That's ask. We find that they, there was a bunch of CPRB meetings where there's nothing to do, and there's just a meeting to have a meeting. And so I just don't like, I like the reporting out. I do not like the monthly. That that seems too frequent or it's yeah. not. Um, it's met monthly since its inception, hasn't it? Quarterly is just a minimum. The ordinance sucks. It hasn't been every time. The, the ordinance says that the CPRB has to meet a minimum of quarterly. I believe it's from the It would be more like with, when they meet and not to be provided. Okay, so with question around how frequently, but the consensus is that this needs to happen, that that data is made available that to the CPR on a regular basis. That would just be part of the ordinance. Of okay. All right, so we just made it through the complaint process. There are a whole bunch of easy wins in that. So nicely done, some really practical things that we can move on. Um, a few tricky ones to navigate, but um, nicely done. Uh, that's great. Okay, so this is in the context of the um, the CPRB um, oversight advisory or and or review authority. So some of the kind of big picture items um, related to this, um, we've discussed what's the authority, if you will, or the capacity, and defining that as a review capacity. Um, and everybody seemed to be on point with that. There was one yellow. Any question on that? Okay. Um, next one. This is a big one that we need to uh, weigh in on. So expand review. So currently, the CPRB is tasked with reviewing appeals specific only to bias 
excuse me, uh, racial and other bias-based policing. Um, and so from the presentation that we got from the department about the complaint process, we learned the distinction between level one complaints, level two complaints, and level three complaints. And any language to the public, those don't mean anything in and of themselves. They have to be defined in what level one, level two, level three is. And that's all represented in the, the PowerPoint presentation will be spelled out here. But the question is, which of these um, would you want to move forward on? Um, is it an expansion to include all level one complaints? It seems like it. Is an extension to include all level one and two complaints? Or is an extension to include level one, two, and three complaints with the only three being those that roll up into essentially a level of Yeah, the only caveat on level one is it might be a criminal investigation on the officer, and so there might be some things that limit us there. But it seems like there's consensus that we it's yes. all level ones. Um, what do you want to talk about with level twos? So a couple so, of so here I was a concern and mine's real easy. I don't really have a problem with level twos in general, except that we got to know that some level twos are, and I'm against level threes, um, are just level threes that we've elevated because officer has done something multiple times, right? And so the complaint itself, what happened that person, or let's say they drove poorly, like three or three times. The thing that they're witnessing is still a level three to that person, but we have elevated it. So it's just you can't blanket a statement it because level twos are often just elevated by that by us because that was sense. So what the complaint is about the the driving, yeah, but it's now a level two because because maybe we've already disciplined them or counseled them or something like that. So what if it's cussing using verbal cuss words? Uh, multiple times, it, we would elevate it up, right? And so is that it? Might okay? it might be a level two from the beginning, right? right. If I say cuss word, that's not that big a deal. But sometimes it's a <laughs> it's a use of force, so you don't have to use force. Hey, knock at the block, blow out the whatever. Right. right. So you have to look at the context of the situation. But if you're just dog cussing someone out, <laughs> yeah, it's going to be a level two right away. And you're okay with your CPRV review yes. in that case. Yes, okay. just not using a curse word, if that makes sense. It's Is there any, um, so level ones, we wanted to see all that. Level twos, there's with some uh, clarification around that example. Otherwise, are we good with level twos? I, so I was, so I feel like it, it the force purpose, at least we haven't we haven't gotten into into whether it's only bias-based policing or necessarily if it's more than that. I feel like a lot of the examples that were under three would relate to bias treatment, you know, in terms of like disrespectful speech or belittling speech or those kinds of things. Um that's what gave me pause on that. And that was why I was yellow as well, but I feel like the complaint demographic information is how that pattern can be determined. Are you only rude to XYZ ethnicity or minority group? Well, so I knew what their what their review expands to the data related to level three. Like are maybe maybe are they just are they just looking at data collected on level threes but not reviewing level three So we currently get data on level threes. Yeah. 
And so the gamble keeps being used in neighborhood. That would not fit the statue in any way. We keep throwing that around, but that doesn't fit bias-based policing statute. I, I read bias-based policing, and it said belittling language, excessive uh, police action. I did this because of someone's race or other biases, right? I took action. Doesn't right. mean that I took action about saying this thing. The took action notice. I stopped the car. I arrested the person. I wrote them a ticket. I did. Mm -hmm. I did actual enforcement activity because of their race. Not. I said a mean word because of their race. I think that the complaint can be triggered though by the by the content of how they were being treated in that interaction. Like I wouldn't submit if I got pulled over because I maybe I was going five or seven miles over the speed limit. I wouldn't think of bias-based policing until he's until it was about the interactions. If that makes sense, like I wouldn't have a complaint about that. I would probably just trust and be like, "Well, they they had a speedometer." So the review is the state is on the action that was taken, the stop, the decision to make a ticket, the decision or something like that. So you could you could say that it was bias-based policing, right? If you felt that if you felt felt that it was rude or something like that, and then we'd have to look at the steps. It wasn't stop legal. Was the citation legal? Was the arrest legal? Was the search legal? All those kinds of things. Was it, like, it was it in because of what they had? I have probable cause to do X. Why? It's not. That's when it starts to be, uh, or if it's intentional, multiple targeting, right? So, two seconds. I have to agree with you, Alec, because it could be derogatory towards me. So, all of those actions that you took. The language still goes with the action that you took against me. Even though you say Anthony is not that. Well, I have a question, and I, I don't like to make it like that. Like the standard. Right. Like, so we don't get to go, here's the statute that we have to hold to be accountable for. And then in a new sentence, go, but now I don't like this. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this. Because the person is operating off of statutes, laws, policies. Repeated language can show intent. Repeated language would be a, an issue. What I'm just saying is, yeah. So, a, 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 so does making a stop, if, if so there's rules about whether you can make a stop. Okay. Because I've had situations where, I, where I've been stopped and then told terrible things and then nothing. I don't get ticket or anything, but that was just awful. You know, That's poor training from whoever that agency is. So we don't teach a recruit that. We teach you to explain exactly why you were stopped, and it's all recorded. I was told it was based on um, how I looked and um, it being attractive at the time when I was 20, um, and that was by LPD. So I, I'm just thinking about all these various situations where maybe nothing actually happens, but the treatment was, the, the way that what was being said could be complained about, and would that be looked at by the LPD if it's not by the board? Or is it disregarded because there was no action? So it's not disregarded, and we're talking about different levels. Like, of so you a, a rudeness could go for us, it could go as high as level one. If you if AI am treating you this poorly, this badly, or whatever the case may be, if it's like I just use language, <laughs> probably going to be a level three. If I'm doing it repeatedly, or this is my multiple attempts, it's going to escalate. Does that make sense? So, um, <laughs> I, I think this is one of the areas where in our work together that how certain um, certain complaints are categorized or defined 
and how it relates to statute and within um, how that's articulated within law enforcement is one thing, and there's a rationale to all of that. What I hear is the disconnect when the community says, I'm concerned that the action had to do with my race, for example, and that that's, we're describing something in a way that doesn't reflect that concern on the community. That would be a level one complaint in the way you just stated it. Be biased based policing. So I think that that's, that's, that's an important part that needs to come out of this. And I think there's probably some narrative, perhaps in our, in our report around this, um, related to that, because that's where I see we often just are either coming out from different places or we just, we don't get it the way that we need to on that. And I, I don't know how that's remedied through the recommendations, but it feels like there's, a need to um, be able to put some narrative around that. Um, level ones and level twos, is that where we're ending up with this? With <clears throat> these other, um, I don't know, I, I don't know how to tease out this um, on the recommendations relative to those. So there were points. this many votes for it to be expanded to include one, two, and three. So it says, and just leave and some of the context of what was said. Like I'm taking full notes on what is being okay. said as much as I possibly can. Okay. So and then some context beyond that. Okay. Yeah. So my I context is going on there though. We have 13 on that. There's only 12 of us. <laughs> not Chicago. So yeah, I voted yeah. twice. <laughs> so my context for level three, why you have the uh, context is is these would be things that any other such city employee would be subject to. I didn't like X, I didn't like whatever. But level twos and level three or level ones are, they're police things. But if I didn't use my turn signal and I somebody called and complained, that could happen to the parks person too. Those are, so, but when we talk about these really high level of rudeness or treatment, that is gonna elevate anyone. Um, and, and when this is, uh, represented to the public, we don't use level one, level two, no. and level three. We're all talking about the actual action, right? So the levels would be defined. This has been a shorthand for us, so that might actually remedy some of that, I think. But um, all of these are defined, and that's what we're referencing back to. Them. I feel that somebody's going to appeal that the board should review it, and the board can decide if it's something that they want to suggest get further review or not. Uh -huh. I feel like if somebody's going forward to the effort to put in a complaint and then they want to make an appeal, regardless of the type of situation that happened, that the CPRB can review it. Well, they don't get a disposition. Fantastic. If they're putting in an appeal, then the CPRB should review it. Well, there would need to be a disposition for, for, this, for the system to work. I stand with what I'm saying. So if they're not given a disposition, so you've made the person, the whole purpose of this is for people to feel heard and have an opportunity to feel um, included in the community. Um, I really don't want to spend a whole lot of time listening to somebody say, I don't, I can't believe I got that parking ticket. I, I, it says I get six minutes for a nickel, which I know is obsolete. I put five pennies in. That's not a complaint the CGRB would hear. 
Well, I know, but that in the that is place. kind of okay. But I I use that. And if you're worried about frivolous complaints, then either recognize that's always going to be a process of a complaint of a complaint, or redirect your energies from the board. I'll put a name tag. I didn't like that some a new officer didn't have a name tag on. I'm sorry that that is the that is a level yeah. that is a level three complaint. And if they feel it is so necessary that they want to take the time to appeal it, the CPRB can listen to the appeal and be like, "We don't need to have the police reevaluate this. It was a simple issue." Overly burdensome by far. Transparency is burdensome. We don't have to resolve. We can it. just leave it as it is and move on. We don't have to. It's, uh, well, yeah, the, if if the will the CPRB have the ability to say we don't want to hear it? That's up to the trivial. city. That's up to the city. Well, that's going to be in the ordinance if we're going to say that. Yeah, and the city will draft the ordinance. We're getting really mired in yeah, this, saying what well, exactly to time to do this or outside the scope of this work group. Yeah. I disagree. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you then. For all of you who emailed me um, repeatedly over the last few days begging that we meet next week, I get yeah. it. I totally get it. It's, this is why, because it's every work. It's every minute. All right. Um, next one. Um, offer recommendations to police chief after reviewing appeal. Okay. All right. We are past our time. I appreciate that you're still in the room. Um, we, we want to get them home, but um, I'm going to keep checking in with you. All right. Board reviews data, summary reports to identify concerning trends, patterns, and makes recommendations to chief as needed. My yellow was not to not do it. It was that it's already being done by the CJCC. I think anybody on the board can get that. I think the chief gives the board that anyway. Um, I don't know that there's an expertise enough to make a recommendation on terms of patterns, but giving the information already out there. So um, in the ordinance that established the CPRB, one of the first uh, points in there speaks to kind of that similar set of issues, but um, <clears throat> anyway, it seems like there needs there's energy around that and it would need to be defined on what that Sounds like it. Okay. Um, third party investigates how complaint was accepted and investigated and reports fairness and fairness to the department and the public. Not a lot of support for this one. Um, okay. Anything you can say for that? All right. Um, advisory role of CPRB. Okay. Let me just give a little bit of context, and there wasn't much to go off of, but just put this in context. So the city commission tasks the work group with looking at the advisory oversight and or review authority or capacity of the CPRB, and you all defined earlier that it's in a review capacity. The related question, and this popped up in a number of different comments in some of our previous work sessions, 
was to what extent does the CPRB have a role in community engagement? And how that's defined, what that looks like. Um, there's there's a subcommittee on community engagement that exists. So it seemed like there was um, uh, um, consensus around that. But I want to contrast it with outreach and then also mention relationships. So as I was reading your comments and then also reflecting on some of the feedback that we've we've generated through this process. The question was, to what extent does the CPRB and its members um, also have a role in doing outreach to the community on behalf of the police department? Um, so that was expressed in different ways, um, like announcing events that the police department are sponsoring, um, encouraging groups that they're a part of to participate in things. Um, and there seem to be differing feelings about whether or not um, the building of relationships is, is an active role that CPRB does, or if that is a need, but it needs to be met by some other entity than the CPRB. So that was kind of the, the context for these three. Um, I don't see how you how you merge being the reviewing board with the PR arm of the department. You the, know, I mean, you're losing neutrality that way. Now, some of the outreach and relationships, honestly, that's my motivation for being on the board because I hope to accomplish those goals through the work that the board does, not, not through any active engagement in, you know, publicizing events and, and engaging in, you know, joint ventures or building relationships between the community and, and the police department. That's, that's what, I hope is accomplished through the good work that the the board does, not something that I set out to do. If that makes sense. And when I put a green dot for outreach, that's largely with engaging with community groups to describe the complaint and appeals process, and it just being in that capacity. So, so this is really important um, to to just name. So the CPRB, and this often falls under an advisory, that's um, or there's an element to that potentially, but that the CPRB has a role in engaging the public to understand the process, creating confidence in that process yes. through those interactions. And to the point that was made last week that a well-developed process that's transparent in and of itself helps build community trust. Yes. And public confidence. So um, so I'm hearing seeing that represented here. The a number of comments, and as it's come up in discussion, whether or not the CPRB is also the vehicle or has a role in 
the PR function for um, championing the police department and its various efforts, that that's really a distinct role for this. Yes. Yes. The PR the police should be the, P the police's responsibility um, or, and or the city. But keep in mind that positive interaction with the CPRB can be seen as positive. So actively participating in it is an act of community engagement for the police. But having the CPRB do more than be a reviewer um, would be inappropriate. Well, to be honest, just, just to be real with you, um, there's a big misperception that complaints of what the board is all about, and that's not true. Being on the community engagement subcommittee and having been on this board in a year, I've done more. Being on that small committee, going and talking to the officers, going on right along, talking about engaging in particular events, getting building a relationship with, you know, just kind of a mediator than having not touched a single complaint this year. So I think that, you know, this our, we haven't even been able to do the original ordinance because of this obsession with the complaints. That's a problem. So I think that this speaks for itself. I think there is some consensus. What that looks like, that's a different conversation. And there was also noted that, um, thank you for that. Um, it was also noted that that might have an impact on if, if I'm a community member and I'm interested in supporting the police department or ensuring that um, the police department is accountable to the citizenry, that there's multiple ways that I can engage. And I'm the just saying that the ways that I know what issues are in the community than just complaints. Yes, and so there's so there's <clears throat> both within the context of the CPRB. What are those parameters and what are those opportunities? And then to what extent are there other groups, entities, opportunities if you're wanting to engage with the police that would be distinct from the CPRB, and that some people might choose specifically. Uh, to not want to serve on the CPRB because they're more involved in a different kind of relationship. Um, and others might say, I build community trust by holding the police accountable and ensuring that complaints are properly processed. But I'm not going to hang out with them at a social event that's meant to build community. And so that's a different perspective that we realize through that. Um, Policy review. So there was a number of uh, questions. This is actually in the ordinance, um, and there's a subcommittee um, on policy review. But there is a difference of opinion or thinking around this. So um, does the CPRB do policy review? Is that part of its role? There was a subcommittee for it, but I don't know that anyone here knows anything of what was done by it. Might have been before our time. Yes. No one even knows the policies. What? Uh, um, where we're, we'd like to know what the policies are and be able to ask why for the types of policies that where we see allegations of violation commonly, like excessive force. And and all policies. Actually, they, there's a link currently on the on the portal for the work group to all PD policies. 
Um, but what do we need to spell out here? Or what is this what is this saying to us? That we want clarification on the policy review role within the CPLV? Or what what, what are you saying here? I mean I it, if the current ordinance gives us review power, gives the CPRB review power and gives them the ability to advise on matters of policy. Keep that in. And specific policies. I don't think the CPRB cares about the fitness of like the fitness right. levels, things like that. But excessive force. That's not covered. And the it's, current yeah, ordinance. In the, yeah, current, and so in the current ordinance, it's specific to racial and bias-based policing, policy review and recommendations. So perhaps the policy review authority would be expanded to whatever levels end up being part of the review pro uh, that the CPRB could review. However, that ends up shaking out. If it's just our level ones, then the policy recommendation ability can expand to that. And it's always a recommendation. CPRB can't tell you as the chief, change your policy. It can say, you know, maybe you you should look at this. Here's our evidence. Here's our recommendation. So it sounds like there's there's a lot of different thoughts relative to this. Part of it is uh, clarifying what's the existing policy review responsibility or function. And then a follow-up conversation would be to expand the types of complaints that can be appealed to the CPRB. Does that have some impact down here? And that's that's a pretty big question that we're not going to be able to answer here, but that relationship. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. I'll one more. That. All right. Thank you. Okay. Last category was board structure and qualifications. So um, a number of specific things here and um, Let's walk through these. So the first one is um, there were several comments of increasing the CPRB membership from the current seven members to nine. And from what I gleaned from the comments, one of the major incentives for doing that would be so that you have enough people to be able to do these subcommittees, community engagement, policy review subcommittees. Uh, 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 something from the community that's been spoken to me directly is that the we have a higher number, uh, more people could miss, and the CPRB could still function. If you have two people, you have this four currently, right? Yeah, our number is ridiculous. Yeah, so, and hopefully also maybe we'll get there. Right, and I think that's something that it could be leave at seven, but if suddenly after the new CPRB ordinance comes out, everyone wants to join, bump it up to nine. I don't know. Yeah. We've had trouble getting seven. Yeah. That, so if we, yeah. we bumped into nine, I think any other boards are the same way. Yeah. It's hard to get folks. So that would be a real stretch to get that. And then your quorum is five. Yeah. And so if you didn't have five, you couldn't do anything. I think potentially increasing also allows for uh, the uh, possibility of like ex officio members, which kind of follow into the next recommendation. Um, of like you have an ex officio non-voting member that's there to offer advice, information, back like history, but they're not going to vote. And so they kind of like that could be a reason why like two of your members are ex officio non-voting. They don't count towards forum. They're there to provide help. So they would be privy to the investigation and executive session? Yes, they're ex officio, so they're technically full member. They just don't have voting rights. 
and it would help, you know, family meetings that we can with the here in Longshore. Well, so um, so with this one, um, that just filling the existing seats is a huge issue. We've had like 80% turnover since this group has launched on, on the work group, um, or excuse me, on the CPR membership. It's been a huge issue. I know that's part of the rationale for the committee on committees um, work, I think, that I just saw for now working in local governments that it's always challenged to get enough people. Um, but there's also a desire to have more active participation within the work group in the form of these subcommittees and being able to do it with a, a lesser number than quorum to enable that. Um, so I don't know that we can put forward. Well, I don't know. What, what, what can we do with it? Right that to be contextualized as it was pretty break even, it appears from looking 551 again kind of thing. Um, it, I think it would be context. It's definitely also contextualized with how the CPRB looks after potentially a new ordinance is drafted. Yeah, this might be, um, in addition to a packed house when you do the public presentation on the new complaint process, there could be a lot of people signing up for and a newly imagined. Um, we reduce restrictions on qualifications. Hmm. More people may join. It just doesn't. Um, can we make a record? Can we draw anything from this? I think we contextualize it with what was said and so put that in the report. It's generally positive. There's only one red, but you know, it's it, okay. Um, a lot of people. <laughs> Did you say the seven minimum, nine maximum? Well, I think once it's in ordinance you have to define what you have you have to define the cor what quorum is. So at some point you have to commit yourself to so if you say a maximum of nine, your quorum's five yeah. and you only have five people on the board, that means nobody can miss. Because there are vacancies. Um <clears throat> so we've got context for this. Um, I think, but there's there's a lot of interest in doing it you know, if it's if it can be done. You know, but we're not in a place where we can necessarily say that right. at this point. Um, no active retired police married to. married to or other conflict of interest. So there was a number of comments um, about who can serve. And and there was actually a conflict in the in your feedback related to this. So there were some who said it shouldn't be police officers um, or spouses of or retired. Um, then there was also in the comments arguments to say that's exactly the expertise we need on a CPRB. <laughs> so um, there's some differences there. Um, what do you want to say? Let's say no, no active or retired police. Um, what do you want to speak to that first? I like the idea of no active, but I think retired, we should allow that. And, and the commission can decide whether it looks bad or is bad. No active, I'm assuming that would mean that they're no active, like okay. sheriff's deputy couldn't serve on this. It's active LE law enforcement, or is that? There's, I think there's an argument to be said for both. Um, definitely, I would argue no LPD. Active that, LPD. Is that even current city employees can't serve on boards. 
Yeah, yeah. That's, I thought that that was already prohibited. But you are right. Somebody from EPSO could. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and so. So if you didn't want police, you would want to say no active police. Um, this, there's four that said no. There's five that said. My, my concern was so, it was just an outright ban on it. Yeah. If the city commission wants to be like, we're not going to do it, then that can be their decision. I think it's, well, I don't see the reason to, to blatantly be like, no. I mean, if I had the time to serve on like a board in Johnson County or something, I might do that. And I don't have any, I don't care if an officer over there, they did something wrong. I'm not going to like shield him from that. I, I don't work with this gentleman. I have no, or whoever it is, like I have no, interest in protecting them out with the interest in doing that here but i could see why there's a conflict if it were here mm -hmm. so like if you have somebody that lives in this town but they work somewhere else and they want to they're they're an officer and they know what they're talking about and they want to hold officers there accountable I, maybe the city commission doesn't want to do it but i don't see a reason to pretend to it. i think what also help is that all members of the cprb no matter your background um mm -hmm should do a version of what the state employee has to do, which is like disclosures of potential interest, where if I am a spouse of an officer, you put on there, spouse of officer, so-and-so, and especially if that officer comes up in front of you, you got to recuse. Um, and that also is known, I feel like we can give the CPRB some um, grace in that people should recuse themselves when they have a conflict. Is there... And I didn't go back to look at that language. I had a similar thought. Is there, I know there's conflict of interest language, I believe, but I don't know about um, recusals, if that's stated. Or, um, but I don't know if we want to put anything forward relative to that, but I had kind of a similar thought on that. Um, this was, I thought, a separate comment, one former or retired on board, and it looks like not everybody actually voted on that as a separate, but I, I want to name that um, at least one of you put forward the idea that there's actually value in defining a membership role on the CPRB as being a former or retired EO. That came from the community conversation, and I put my own green dot on it because I think it's a great idea. And it is somewhat the same as what was addressed as far as having an officer come, you know, to engage in discussion of a complaint under review just for, you know, the experience and background perspective. I, I didn't realize that it was up there, so I didn't put a sticker, but again, not against it, but I. I'm against making it an absolute requirement because, okay, so we don't get a former officer because nobody wants to do it. So what the board can't function now? No more than what right. you would word it. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. yeah that raises the question. Yeah. <clears throat> you're right. If no police officer wants to serve, the board can't function um, if it's a required position. Are you wanting to put forward a recommendation that says you want to encourage that? Yeah. I think, I think that's going to come. We didn't vote on, I mean, not everybody weighed in, so I don't know. But, you know, what happens in the research is um, with another form of governance. And so if you have somebody in the space who um, identifies with the experience of somebody who's under, you know, maybe the complaint is about a police officer, they may 
um, identify with or relate to or empathize more so on LPD side, even if they were an officer for maybe a different department or retired. Um, that's something that you see across the board um, in all different kinds of studies. I don't see the need to enumerate a particular, um, I, I don't think that it needs to be in there, whether it's that we are restricting them or encouraging it, if we could leave that off of the, I mean, it included in the report because someone the put comments. the time to put that forward in the comments, but I think it has the votes that it has because we're not seeing a need to specifically um, encourage that or require it on the board. Um, but there were people in the community spaces who were very opposed to um, active retired or any sort of um, um, familial or friendly association. Um, that was what came up at at least two of the tables. Yeah, that was reflected in the in the notes. Okay, but it doesn't sound like there's anything that this group's wanting to take action on relative to this question. Just context. I mean, okay. I think it, I think I think it all goes down to neutral party, and so I think people um, from the community conversations and then from some of the things that were also here on the other page as well, those people are looking for. Um, that neutral third party perspective. So does that mean we can't have anybody who's ever had a bad experience with a police officer that would destroy their neutrality? I think we can not specify it either way. And so we're saying when you're out recruiting that if somebody says, hey, I've had a negative experience, they get to be included. If somebody's like, hey, I used to be a police officer, they get to be included. We're not saying that it's required, nor are we saying it's prohibited. I think they just need to demonstrate the ability to be neutral. Um, code of ethics. So I don't know that there, it says new code of ethics. Is there a code of ethics specific in the CPRB? Yes, the city's, well, the city's code of ethics applies to all advisory yeah. workers. Um, and if I'm recalling correctly, that the idea was, or the, the comment that you submitted was that because of the specialization of this work, the uniqueness of this work, that a code of ethics might be warranted that's specific to CPRB. Anybody want to jump in and claim that? <laughs> Creating one is... Uh... Can of worms. It, there's a lot in this. I, I don't feel, I'm not necessarily hearing a lot of love, but um, I believe that that was the comment that was put forward. Well, I think it's outside of our scope. What's that? Sorry. Um, never mind. And maybe clarifying that um, what, what, what code of ethics does exist for all boards might be part of it. Okay. Establish CPRB as a neutral third party. So we just made some reference to that, um, but there was a lot of yellow on this. So what was your questions or concerns? Didn't know what you meant by that. So yeah. I mean, that's what it is now, isn't it? I don't think it's a third party that represents the city. Well, it it's a third city. party from the police department. Yeah. And the complaint. But it's established by the city and operates. The city has liability. And, so. Well, if that's what it means, then I would have put a red one there, I think. Is this... Is this an, intending to get at this idea that it's not biased 
um, towards siding with the police, for example, like in just to re-give something with the Yeah, that, is that kind of what it's getting at? Is that we don't, this should, this isn't a rubber stamp for the police department and shouldn't be, and that's what is identified by a couple of neutral. At the community engagement on my first table, um, suggested completely making it independent, but I don't know how that would function legally. Uh, or the code of the city, position? yeah. Um, so so that uh, it was, yeah, yeah. It was what comments really? I think this would also relate to the protocol. So, if there were conflicts of interest that came up, that it would abstain from offering review on a particular complaint. I think that that's kind of where I, where I was seeing was it's in maybe the membership of the people who are on the board, as well as maybe the protocol for handling the, the complaint. Okay, so it's more speaking to the desire and intention to ensure that neutrality that's specific to its role, but it's not, you're not advocating that this be a third party entity that's independent in some way that it's not correct. I think it says independent. Yeah. Within the scope of okay. the law. Um, established training for CPRV. Um, DEI, um, and I believe also there was a comment attached to this that it what wouldn't be individual training, but it's professional training. Meaning that I would, just I would add the complaint process to that. There should be training on many topics, not just DEI. Yeah. And we're actually going to get in Canada. We're actually going to get to that too here in, in one of the next ones, but I want to I want to live with this one for a moment. So what's so there's there's tends to be or there's there's a um, strong agreement around this for for anybody who had questions about it. Um, what what do we need to explore or um, clarify? We've got most of the greens. I was like, I think it kind of goes down to the established training guidelines for police officers and such on the other page, uh, or might even be on this page, I don't know. Because um, all the trainings I can think would be like, how to, again, like, how do you handle someone who's very upset about something? How do you ask questions that uh, are victim-centered, victim-survivor-centered? There's all types of things, like, we need to center, make sure we're not, like, re-traumatized, things like that. That's all can be done through trainings. Um I think whoever was yellow can speak up as to what what the issue was with that. I mean, because it's currently in the statute or ordinance, not yeah. statute. Well, so that, that was my yellow comment. Is that there's already training and training required. Um, okay. I don't know that everybody got it as they joined the board, and I think that should be a requirement before you vote. And you're, you're making action. Are you part of it? That you attended the training. Thing. I got it, but it was pretty inadequate in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. Well, you said, like, said, you said the one better. segment. There's a whole yeah, bunch of other training you were supposed to have, and you guys haven't had. Yeah, let's let's get let's speak to that because because we're going to capture that here. Um, next one qualifications so CPRB can receive confidential uh, info. Um, there were a number of comments, both speaking to. Um, the need to preserve confidentiality, have training around maintaining confidentiality, and then also requirements on external entities, parts that have 
requirements on who can or cannot access certain confidential information. And I believe that that's how CHRI, Criminal History Records Information, and CGIS, which is controlled by the KBI and the lack of control administrators, but the KBI controls it of who gets access to certain informations. Right. And so some of that information may be listed in certain reports. It's going to get more drawn down, more given the quality to loosen. It was argued ad nauseum in 2018 when they came up with this dark ordinance around these particular things. I'm willing to bet that that's pretty close to the most, the least intrusive that you can be still. And then there's the distinction between access to the content, like in summary form, yeah. versus actually having the record in your hand. I mean, it's it's dizzying. Okay. Um, okay. Anything? Um, anything more to do on that one? All right. Um, last, establish. Guidelines of communication between CPRB and PD. Um, say more about this. I'm not sure I know what it means. I have that's no idea what it means. I, I think that's why I'm going to be able to learn it. But somebody said that. Was that in the in the it was, it was off our table, but it yeah, came out. That was trained guidelines for police officers and CPRB members ensure effective communication. So, oh, 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 yes, yes. I'm sorry. This was my feeble attempt at capturing uh, or responding to a number of comments. So, this this will be something that we need to build out on, but it just doesn't have enough context in your notes. Um, page sixteen. On page sixteen. Um, a number of you commented, and then also in our own experience as a group, that the, um, the ability to effectively respond to and address complaints brought by the public in their many different forms is, there's both a, a skill and an art to that, but that the, um, the emphasis here was to make sure that when we are fielding complaints, or in the case of CPRB, when you're fielding appeals of complaints, that the CPRB members have the ability to, to um, field those inquiries in a way that is respectful and acknowledging and validating of the concern brought to them, irrespective of what they believe to be the case or, you know, have an opinion on it or anything like that, but that they're not either um, inadvertently offending the public, they're not um, reinforcing negative stereotypes or, or creating barriers to that person wanting to come forward, and that there's just a professionalism around how, um, uh, how they're communicating and then the other piece on this in the notes was self-awareness around when you speak to the public in a certain way, when they're, they're coming forward with something that's difficult to talk about. How do you ensure that there's a self-awareness that you're not re-injuring or traumatizing or creating um, additional uh, stressors for the individuals who are trying to bring their concern forward? 
So that's not establishing guidelines of communication between the CPRB and PD. No, that's that is establishing. Um, so when we're saying establishing training for CPRB or DEI, then maybe also providing some victim awareness training. Yeah, so that could be take different forms. Um, oh, oh I, okay, so training is the missing word. So it could be a training function and part of the onboarding for CPRB members. It also could be maybe there's some guiding principles. That's the idea behind it. Where you say um, they're just simple bullets, reminders, just like you would have like an ethics uh, guiding principles of like um, every complaint brought forward is important to the person who brought it forward. You know, it's like as you're always valuing that no matter how ridiculous one complaint might seem to you or you've heard it a million times before that it's understood by CPLB or an officer or whatever that that's important to that person. And that again is not establishing guidelines of communication between the CPRB and the PD. That is establishing um, rules of engagement with the public for the CPRB. Okay, so that can be um, wrapped into that, that training uh, piece of that. So, okay, thank you. Um, all right, then the last, last sheet here. All right. Um, Okay, um, comments that were um, referenced in the notes was the importance of public comment, public comment during CPRB meetings, that that in and of itself serves a valuable purpose, um, but also um, transparency of process public access to information, this is all bottom page 17 or 16, and professional communications to build confidence in the complaint process. So there's a couple of things that I think this was speaking to. One is that kind of broader, ca broader category around procedural justice and confidence in the process itself, um, that wanting to ensure that. But the other is that the there's intentionality at every turn about the public being able to come forward and, and present their concerns. I think it could be formatted very similar to the public comment period at the commission meetings. You could submit it to the CPRB in writing, or you can show up and speak for a lot of amount of time. And uh, we, I think the CPRB probably would have a set amount of time for public comment, um, as opposed to, well, with the city, I don't know if they changed the rules or not yet. Um, it was basically just go until there's no more public comment. Um, that probably wouldn't work for the CPRP. I'd be like, here's a 45 minute block, 30 minutes, whatever. Say your piece, have it in writing if you want. Once that mark that her 30 minutes done, last person finishes up, public comments closed, submitted in, submitted in writing. So this is um, both recognizing the importance and the necessity of uh, public comment and these related things, but also saying that um, there might need to be discussion around how that's structured and in response to 
but uh, so we've got, we it, in, we we've got it in there, there now. It's it may not be worded as strongly as you want, but it says the board chairperson may allow public comment during open meetings, but such public comments shall not include comments regarding individual officer misconduct. Um, and and as a rule, we've been we did that. We allowed public comment. We we limit it generally to three minutes, and I do think it could be much longer than that. But I do think there should be guidelines for for how we respond and how the public, what they're able to really discuss. Um, Much of it has been. That's going to get short up from the city commission. They're going to standardize it for all boards and commissions. So, okay. Is that part of the discussion with the committees? Okay. So we'll probably get some guidance on that yeah. specifically to that, but, and also then how you operationalize the agency. Okay, that's great. Because it's different for every board right now. Yeah, there's a lot of variance, and then and every local government has different approaches on that too, which is yeah. interesting. Okay, review race-based trans data, review available local data. Okay, the genesis behind this was saying uh, a couple of things. One, that the CPRB has a role relative, like an existing ordinance that advisory piece that's specific to racial and other bias-based policing, that there currently is a role looking at some of these questions, but um, bringing this recommendation forward to, I think, first of all, elevate that, but then also in the context of earlier discussions about demographic questions and whatnot, is there something more different that the board could be doing to either um, access existing data, like the CJCC is doing great work in the community and has a wealth of data. I don't know how that feeds into or informs CPRB discussion and deliberation. One thing we could do, I mean, if it, if it gets to the point where we do have asked certain um, data regarding complaints, we can compare that to the Kansas Department of Corrections does have public data that we provide. Um, Douglas County 7th Judicial District. There's a variety of public reports that from arrest to different types of data that cover different demographics um, that could possibly be used as a resource, just a beginning point. But you can uh, compare our trends with other similarly situated organizations. Yeah. So there's a lot of support and interest around that clarifying what that looks like and how what the how the board does this work is that am I accurate in saying that that's not really a part of what we've been doing at least not in the last I I, I don't know I don't know that there's there's a lot of emphasis around this but how you go about doing that needs to be determined any other CPLD folks anything else you'd weigh in on that or does anybody else have any questions on this? Of course, it's much broader than race-based. I mean, yeah. A bunch of other categories as well. <laughs> and we're adding new ones. So yeah. So the recommendation here is 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 this for another bias or is this I think again it would fit with however the the, the commission decides to expand CPRB's role. If they go to only level ones, we get trends and data on level ones at the very least. I also, just want to remind us that when the city commission identified this, 
work group and then revisit the resolution, they intentionally drew attention to um, individuals and, and groups in the community that are disproportionately impacted um, by police contacts. And so that tended to skew more towards the uh -huh. exploration of, of um, racial-based or other bias um, policing. So I don't want to lose it in that broader context, but which is passed this way. Okay, we're almost there. Qualifications to serve on the CPRB. Um, questions. Um, misdemeanors and felonies in the past. Does that is that a disqualifier or felony is, is under broader city policy? I don't recall whether uh, a misdemeanor. Misdemeanor. For the information that I was talking about, misdemeanor should affect that at all. Um, but a certain felonies might. I don't know that every felony. I think any limitation should be clearly explained as to why. So I'm fine with saying um, that that if you have a felony, you can't have had a felony. You cannot be on the board. But I think an explanation can help with the transparency. So, so, so having if there's a city policy that, that would but from you wouldn't have access, whatever the limiting factor is for access to the information that they're mentioning, that should be the reason why, and it should be listed. So if you say, if you have these certain felonies, you're prohibited from, um, participating on the board, an explanation, not to the individual, but in the policy itself saying, because you would not have access to this information. We don't want to limit the information that the board could have because there's folks on there that wouldn't have access to that information per whatever rules that are in place about dissemination. Um, and there, and I, I just want to also note that there were comments and this came up in the community conversations that there is a perspective that also says there's value in having people who have that kind of experience <laughs> in the system yes, in the form of a criminal background because they have a unique insight. I would see putting a, a time a time frame to it like no felony conviction in the last five years. Uh, something like that. The, the, and the recidivism rate, I don't know. But if the KBI, I was going to try to figure that out, but it's pretty. But if uh, the KBI won't release, won't allow sharing of information to people that they don't find it by time, I don't. Well, yeah, the only yeah. time you hear me, I don't know that. that that's, yeah, I don't know <laughs> what the rule is. is. We probably just have to have uh, Laura and the city attorney and our. I just think that anything that is restricted per their record keeping policy or record dissemination policy should be listed. But that needs to be explained. It, it should be, yeah, as to why they can't. I think there is a generally applicable existing city, and I assume it's ordinance, but it's published policy. I don't see how ours can circumvent that without, you know, a look at the broader policy. It can't. I'm just saying context. That's yeah, all. I think we're just, we're just supposed to put forth recommendations 
um, that are generated from the group and not necessarily always like thinking about what the, what is the city going to say about it. I don't think that's leading our recommendations. But to the felony and misdemeanor piece, I think that anything that, um, you know, I would hope that policing improves over time. And I could see, and I know of people who maybe fall under that category from 20 years ago, who maybe they shouldn't now based on changing laws. And I'm thinking about marijuana and has been largely decriminalized, like things like that. That's very true. Yes, I don't want like past inequities to then impact somebody's ability to participate on this board. And if you're thinking about how the board is uh, lacking willing members and those kinds of things, then I think that maybe is the direction. I don't disagree with you. I just don't want someone to be selected to be on and then not be able to serve in their full capacity because they're not able to have access to the same information that everybody else has. And so that's why I'm saying if they're not able to because of a city policy or not able to because of restriction to access to information, then that should be listed as why that particular um, situation um, has that limiting factor. So it would require, you know, filtering of the types of felonies, the type of misdemeanor, nonviolent sex offender versus, you know, whatever, you know, petty petty crime, petty misdemeanors, you know, they're just, it would have to be drafted up like a lot of the other qualifications. And if there's, um, that also might be if, if there is a um, desire on the part of the CPRB to be getting feedback in a way or having inputs from people who have that background, aside from actually serving on the board, that could be realized in some other way. And that, my, my other concerns are we they're uh we don't hire police officers yet felonies on the yeah. record right so we're going to allow this person to review a, a complaint against a police officer who can't have that same felony and do the job i also have the yeah. same concern neutrality wise if, if we if we don't have a big concern or a push to put an officer on the board and i'm not saying we should i'm just like we're going to be neutral mm -hmm. yes there could be some value in having from the background and serving on the board but if there, if an officer is likely to identify with an officer, give them leniency. Is somebody with their own background going to give leniency to somebody that the officer did? That's what they believe to be bad behavior. But too, you could be unfairly criminalized here in this situation uh, because I've seen misdemeanors and felonies happen to folks that never did a thing, and so. I understand what you're saying and from a police perspective, but from a citizen's perspective, when you see folks get misdemeanors and you see folks get felonies that don't deserve either one of those things and they cannot be on the board. I listened to a young lady that was at our table. She had a felon. So because she had a felon, she still felt like she had the right to be able to be on some board or to voice at least her opinion. So I, I agree with you, Bart. Um, I've seen these the exact same on on our side, like hiring uh, people that probably shouldn't have uh, been guilty of something, or unfortunately they got involved in something when they were young, and it precludes them from us hiring them. And they're a great candidate. Like this happened like right when they were turning eighteen or something, 
and we can't hire them. And it is tragic, but I can't get around that. It's the law and state can because like you can't hire this person. Um, the misdemeanors, I can totally get around. I mean, even we can get around those if they're outside of a certain time frame and they're a certain uh, type. But. And the and their misdemeanors, there's no prohibition on there. Um, so we're, we can clarify that. Okay. Um, uh, there, I, were, there might be some crimes and dishonesty stuff. But okay. That, yeah. I, okay. Um, there were um, a <laughs> couple of things on page 16 uh, that we need to make sure we hit on. Um, one, uh, this came out of the discussion around data and understanding data, a desire. Um, I to, think this falls with the same with like a police officer, people of certain backgrounds. A person trained in data analysis. Neither uh, recommended so, nor discouraged. Just if someone trained in data analysis, it's either that or someone hired by the city does the data analysis and gives it to the CPRB. But not that's not like their whole job. It's just part of a pre-existing position. There's value in having that, but one of the concerns was do have the professional training to know and understand the data. Um, does that need to be present on the board, a dedicated role? It sounds like we're not weighing in on dedicated yeah. roles. Yeah, great. Um, what, and what data were we talking about? And there's also the complaint data, the demographic data, so the complaints. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty simple. We only have about 30 complaints a year, so there's not a lot to examine. Um, there was a couple of things that are on 16 that I just want to speak to on the, the training thing that you all, um, the number of comments were about the training required of anybody who serves on the CPRB and then comment that people who serve on the CPRB not participate in meetings for voting <clears throat> until they've completed the, the required training. So um, you've named a number of trainings and I don't know what the existing training looks like. And I think when you have such instability on the board and such high turnover, things like mandatory training tends to kind of fall apart. But um, there were a number of comments saying, Folks who serve need to be trained. And um, do you, so it sounds like there's, that that's a recommendation that there be um, that training. Do you also want to state that they can't serve until they've completed that training? That it's it's basically the gate to be on there. Right now it's get it within six months is how it's worded now, I think, okay. in the ordinance. And is that okay or are you trying to, are you? Advancing a different recommendation. The training requirements are. There. Yeah, it's like if there's like 15 two hour long trainings, uh, I mean, to trained within 14 days might not be possible. It's a volunteer um, board. So. Exactly. I would say at a minimum, the diversity training yeah. um, being a requirement before voting. Um, but the rest within six months was reasonable. Yeah. I would say whatever the you know, confidentiality points yeah. or you get. Uh, information and then also the training they get on like public meetings and what goes in executive session. That's part that's pretty important. Coma, Cora. Okay. Yeah. So that that needs to be spelled out. And, and we got those, but the problem is it's a videotape that you're watching. There's no opportunity to ask any questions. And, and, and I think the half an hour to 45 minutes, and you I watch it and say, okay, I've checked that box. And I don't know if the 
Committee on Committees is putting forward recommendations that speak to this as well. I'm assuming that's going to be the case. The case is nodding our head, yes. Yeah. Okay. All right, good. Um, uh, Can we talk about both these at the same time? Yeah, they go together. Yeah, they're the same thing. Yeah, okay. Opposite. Opposite. Yeah. Uh, so two two things. Um, one, merge the CPRB with the Human Relations Commission. So this came up as comments in response to the Committee on Committees work that has already put forward uh, recommendations and that was included. And the Committee on Committees role was to review the number of existing boards and committees and to reduce it down to 10 from 48, I believe. I just know from knowing local governments, Lawrence has a huge number relative to its size. Um, and so the goal for them was to reduce, but one of their suggestions was one way to reduce it, one more board is to combine CPRB with Human Relations Commission. And there's not a lot, not a lot of love for that idea here, but uh, just speak to it. What's what's your concerns or issues related to that? Is Maybe focused on CPRB issues and for CPRB CPRB issues to not get watered down with other business that the Human Relations Commission has to review. They need to have a specialized group of people that are specifically trained and focused on this issue, not on a whole bunch of other stuff. And putting this issue to the side. I, I think that's probably the case, but I don't know enough about it. That's why I went yellow, is that uh, I haven't tried to study the issue. And so you're probably 100% right. Well, and also it seems reasonable to me that when the entire focus of our of the ordinance was racial or other bias, that that's a natural pairing. But if we're looking at a, at broader issues, as I think everybody has proposed, then it's not that natural. So it may be made more sense when with the existing ordinance of only racial and other bias based, but might make less sense with what you're proposing um, for um, an expanded scope of. Review. Okay. okay. So I agree on the human relations commission, but the way that we operate as a city is secure, which looks like fire department, lighting, all those things that affect people's lives a heck of a lot more than an officer to do something on a policy. And so, you know, the times that you get to your medical, the times that fire, all those kind of things, and there's a lot of things that a board can do that's oversafe and secure that include complaints that they would have real valuable work that will impact real people's lives every single day. Just to piggyback on that and clarify a little bit, the purpose of that committee on committees wasn't to just to reduce the number of boards. It was to look at a better aligning the advisory boards with the city's strategic plan. And so when Anthony's talking about safe and secure, that's one of our areas under our city's strategic plan. Mm -hmm. And so that's what work has happened is the that committee on committees has gone through and looked at all of the boards and aligned them with which one of those areas of our strategic plan is the most logical connection. And so I think that's where the overlap came okay. from. Okay. And and um if you're not familiar with the city's strategic plan, 
So safe and secure is one of the focus areas. Everything about what you want to talk about with CPIB seems to fit in that. That seems logical. I mean, there's a question on that. But what we're saying is a concern that CPRB's work would be watered down if they were combined, and that the um, and that this work is focused and intentional, and that that might be compromised in that kind of merger, and that if you're expanding the types of complaints that were reviewed, it actually might stretch it away from what traditionally might fit better with the group. And then we may not even have any control over it at all. The city commission may just choose. That's a possibility. And by the way, our process technically was launched before that. <laughs> but then we didn't get off the ground for months. And then all of a sudden the committee on committees met and then blew through their work and then came up with recommendations independent of our input. So, but we're putting forward, we're saying no go. Okay, the second one though is no merging of boards, CPRB and human It's the same thing. It's the opposite. Oh, that's what you meant by that. Yeah, oh, that's yeah. what I meant by combining the those, same questions. Those last two, with some reference to leveraging Human Relations Commission as a possible third party that liaison to the liaison to the so, so that that's separate. But I guess there's part of this is like to be continued related to what the city's doing more broadly. Okay, next week at our meeting, what we're going to do? Yes. No. Okay. So let me just bring this full circle. I need your Give a few minutes. I need you for a few more minutes to bring this full circle, and then we're we're out of here. Um, because it's almost 8 30. Very, very, very heavy lift tonight. And I appreciate um, your good work here. Um, we had to get through it. We needed to get through it and we made it through. So the next step with this work is that all of this has to be pulled into the final language on recommendations and then uh, put into report format that will ultimately end up in front of the um, city commission. So the report format, introduction, background methodology, um, recommendations, uh, conclusion. This is the chance to kind of fill in some of the narrative and context for how you all arrived at the recommendations you did and gives you the opportunity to kind of tell a little bit broader story. Some of that should include um, a reflection on the process, what worked, what didn't work, um, what we accomplished. Uh, we brought 12 people together that didn't know much of uh, each other and met for the first time in most cases, and then ultimately produced some really great recommendations here on a whole lot of important stuff on behalf of the city. And that's, that's to your credit, and that's great work. Um, the production of the report and ultimately how your work rolled up. So you all were very clear that you didn't want to meet in person again um, because of fatigue. You did, you served your role, you did your part, and also just building frustrations and all kinds of reasons. Um, and so I want to thank you for all of your great work leading up to this. In terms of the handoff of our work and bringing it full closure, ultimately this is to be presented to the city commission. 
And at the first session, if you'll recall, I said that I would not be presenting this to the city commission. Um, do you remember this? Uh-huh. Do you remember who I said you us that you would because it's your work? So I'm a resource to you to help in every way and whatever way, but I'm not going to present. I'd love to present and do it all the time. I'm not presenting this because it needs to come from you all. And the public needs to see your role in that. So that being said, we need to, first of all, work with Casey and then uh, and the city manager's office to talk with the commission because currently this we don't have a date for when that will be um, that presentation will occur. So there's a couple of things that we need clarity on from the commission and the city manager's office. One is does the commission have uh, what they need from us once this report comes forward or um, any additional direction of any sort to inform our work? And then um, do we need that input before we go before them with the presentation? Um, if there's any input to that effect. And then we need to determine who's going to present and prep that and, and what it's going to look like. And I'll, and I'll support you in any way and every way to make that happen. But I want it to be compelling. I want it to be reflective of the whole range of work that you do. I want to honor the community's inputs. I think that it's important to hear what you as community representatives in this group brought forward and learned from and struggled with and observed. I think that's important to reflect back. I think the CPRB members in this group, that there's an important voice about what you gained from this and um, how it's informed your thinking um, of the work ahead. And the PD, I think it's important to hear what you learned from this process in this group and also what you learned from the community conversations because there's a lot of important feedback. So how that all happens and comes together is something that needs to be decided. So the immediate work at hand is to compile all this and write it up in a in a draft format. If we're not meeting again, that means that we can put a draft out and ask you to comment individually on it, but we can't make decisions on that um, if we're not meeting. Um, so you can, it's it's almost like, correct me if I'm wrong, it's like we can put a draft together and then you react to it and then it is what it is. And then it goes in front of the commission. Um, so that's one consideration. Um, I'm happy to, to put all that together, but I would love a couple of people to assist with that. The other um, task is the mapping activity that we've talked about. And tonight you made some, clear, you clarified some things, but we need to put that mapping of the existing um, process in some kind of a, a visual, if you will. And, um, and there was some short discussion about that being a product of the, of, um, uh, a visual of the complaint process as well could be a product that goes into a brochure or something that helps educate the public on what the process is. So there's some work to be done in the next week on that as well, which I would love assistance on. And then um, 
Thirdly, there is the gathering, or excuse me, it's the um, the prep of the presentation itself. And so who's going to do it and how does all that um, come to be? So I guess the big question for you all is, one, uh, for you individually to think about, in addition to the feedback that you'll give on the draft report itself, to what extent do you as a group want to look at that final product and make any final decisions before it's presented to the commission? And then secondly, um, what is your preference in terms of preparing for that presentation to the commission? Do you want to have three people in the group just take it and run and then you can tune in on Zoom? Um, or do you want to be involved in the development of that or get feedback on a draft of that or something, but have some kind of formal role in um, embedding it and then seeing it launch from there. I'm willing to help on mapping. Well, Harrison took Thank a lot you. of notes on. Yeah, I'm willing to draft. You've got some good notes. Okay. What else? Who else? I'm good at writing. Okay. So you're going to write Love that. Okay. Well, I, I guess this may not be a popular idea, but I'd like to come back as a group to look at what you put together for presentation to the commission. Are we doing that on Monday, this coming Monday? No, we're talking. We don't. Oh, you were weeks away. I'll play with you. Yeah, I'll come back. Yeah, we're we do not have anything scheduled to meet again. Okay. But there was some discussion about can we do like a um like a Google Docs and we're and and because we're an open meeting um subject to that, we don't have the luxury of being able to continue to do back and forth. If we're not in a meeting, um, if we're not convened as a group, a subcommittee can of five people. So we could do a subcommittee. So if we had five people, and then you just give them your blessing and say, go forth and do good work on behalf of the worker. Sorry, my, my baby only goes to sleep with me. Just <laughs> <laughs> one, and I'm, I'm going to go do that. Thank you. All right. Sorry, guys. Thank you. Appreciate it. Um, and there's about three weeks of work at, at the minimum between now and whenever that needs to happen. Is the other thing. Can you circle, circulate just the email inquiry to, and let us digest this for a bit? I mean, I'm fried yeah. tonight. Yeah, I'm, and I I'm, and I have so. to have a personality early in the morning, and it's not good right now. <laughs> Yeah, so so um how's everybody feel about that? We we don't have to decide that now, but yeah, I like that idea. Um but the question will be, do you want to reconvene to bring it full circle for like one hour or whatever it would look like? And then we're done. I think that's what we're saying we need an email about. Yeah. yeah. So if we okay. get an email about a subcommittee to work on a presentation, who wants to do it? And then if we could get together in three weeks or whenever to meet for a specific amount of time to go over what's been created for the mapping process and the mm -hmm. report. Um, 
I, if you ask me right now, I'm gonna say I'm done. Yeah, <laughs> I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. But, yeah, but it, if we lose the ability to interact, if we just do it by email. No, no, I understand. If he sends an email asking us when we want to meet. Yeah, yeah, that would be my yeah. preference. Which is totally fine, right? Just put out an yeah. email say, yeah. uh, do you want to reconvene? Is that again? Yeah, okay that all comes back to you. Yeah. yeah, and that all comes back to me, and then I put back out there. And, and if in the meantime, if we get any additional guidance from the the commission or I, I guess I don't know what what guidance you're looking for there. I mean, I think that the, the direction has been you all have the liberty to take the time you need to do this work. Okay. So if you're looking for it has to be done by a certain day, that, that doesn't exist, um, that which is a good or a bad thing, depending on where you're at. So, um, you know, take the time that you all need uh, and it can come to the commission as Jonathan and I had previously once talked about would it make sense for you all to come and have kind of a preliminary finding, hear a little bit of feedback from the commission, and then finalize your your report, or do you want to just finalize a report, present it, and I'll yeah. say yeah. see it. Thank you. And I'll be see honest it. to the whole group, my capacity to move this much further into another season of my life is not understood. Yeah. Um, I would like to get what we've done today into yeah. something that's presentable and then pass the basket. I'm willing to meet maybe one more time. I have to I have I have I'm not suggesting we try to re-argue all these things. No 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 no, no, no. I understand yeah. we're we're done with that. You're yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm just okay. saying that I, I think had to that I think we've got what we need, but I thank you for taking the time yes. out. Um thank you. Thank you on behalf of the the city and the opportunity to do this. Thank you to each and every one of you for all you've brought to this. Um, it's really been extremely valuable. It's been a pleasure meeting each of you. And thank you very much. No, I hope to see you all again. Not formally. Yeah. <laughs> all right. And there is good fruit left over. So yes, we help yourselves. Thank you. 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 Thank you.